Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Today's Sunday session is brought to you thanks to the fine folks at More Beer. Visit them right now at morebeer.com. If you really want to be one of the best brewers there is, I stopped uh, dressing all in plastic. You better be brewing five to six times a week. A beer, every beer, is made with love, and it begs to, to be appreciated. I need something to kill the salmonella I'm kind of worried about in the eggs. Do you find that uh, that the hops kind of clash with the uh, chicken embryo you put in there? Or... <laughs> well, I might sleep here tonight. It's a California <laughs> king. There's plenty of room for both of us, Beavis. Yeah. How many of the brewers over there have seen your ass? That's it. Someone's getting cut tonight. All yeah. I have to say is, hey, McDonald, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no. Live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers. Craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Yes, sir. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. JP's the gentleman. Hi. He's the one gentleman. Thank you. Welcome to the program. Another great show. We got here from uh, live from the Hop Grenade Tap Room and Bottle Shop. Oh. Yeah. Enunciation and everything. It's the full name of the place. I like it. We're here every week. Brought to you by our good friends over at More Beer. That's right. You can go to More Beer right now. Go to morebeer.com and do all your homebrew shopping. They bring you this session and every session that we do. We thank them for doing so. Did you say uh, JP was the gentleman? Yeah, I gave it to him this week. What does that make the rest of us? Um, You know, other things. Yeah. (laughs) Lesser than gentlemen. Gentlemen? (laughs) No, that's not where I was going with it. But I guess you can can (laughs) take it that way, yeah. Make sure you give us beer. (laughs) That's right. Uh, What do you have in your glass, Tasty? Well, I got this uh, really nice uh, dark hoppy beer called... uh, Russian River Janice Brown Ale. Oh, yeah. beautiful. Gosh, we just keep getting more kegs of that, huh? <laughs> I love it. Wow. They're going to be pouring more here than they're pouring at the pub. That's fantastic. Like, what the hell? <clears throat> People like it here. Keep it coming. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah, it's fun pouring Russian River here at the Hop Grenade. People <laughs> like it. The locals are happy. We're happy. So It's almost like getting out of town beer, you know? You know not everybody can get it. <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, we got some bottles now, too. I think we had Damnation on the shelf the other <laughs> oh, that's day. sweet. I don't know if we've gotten, like... Uh, 
blind pig bottles or anything yet. But, yeah, of course, you know that's what we want, some sours. Uh, you know, we, we got to ease into it, I guess. I can't go demanding yet. Don't <laughs> <laughs> no, believe, believe me. We just got the damn account. I think things are all going to fall in place. Yeah. yeah. Back in February, I went to uh, Monument Liquor uh, to get whatever, and they're – uh, they do damnation on their shelf too. There was an empty spot next to the damnation, and there was a sign that said "Pliny the Younger sold out." Yeah, and it was, and I went, "What the? You're, they're not bottling it, are they?" And he's like, "No, no, we just put that there, and <laughs> leave an empty track." <laughs> It's almost like an homage to the, yeah. Uh, we should do that, too. We should have done it before we even had the account. Yeah. Everything from Russian River sold out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming soon. When's it going to be back? I don't know. Whenever they open our account. <laughs> yeah. Tapping soon. <laughs> yeah, we got it on tap, though, now. That's good, good stuff. Had a great weekend. Uh, Tasty and Nate Smith and Nicole and I all went to the Blue Bonnet Brew-Off in Texas. And uh, speaking of Vinny and, and Russian River, he was supposed to be there. Uh, well, the rumor was he was supposed to be their uh, oh. speaker this year. Apparently, they he's offered their, it to him. He's their speaker next year, <clears throat> oh. and so somehow, I'm, I was second on the list. Although they didn't really clarify, I easily could have been eighth. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they didn't really say. Yeah, everybody were... could have had you know, not enough laundry to, to make it. <laughs> I mean, they know that nobody uh, would be offended by being second to Vinny. But yeah. had they said we also asked eight other people, then maybe I would have. Yeah, yeah. Who am I well, kidding? Let's assume you were second. I, I still totally would have done it. Hey, ninth isn't um, so bad. <laughs> thank you, Beardy. Yeah, so I look at things. Uh, so we had a good time. Oh my God, yes. Those blue bonnet people. So. Vinny, actually, let me play this for you before I get too far ahead of myself. Vinny left a message for the people of the Blue Bonnet. I was supposed to play it during my keynote speech, but the uh, I couldn't get the PA to work properly. Oh, man. It was lucky that my microphone worked, and I tried to get the microphone to pick it up, but that didn't happen either. Um, so I told the folks at the Blue Bonnet that I'd try to play it on the show. So this was Vinny. He left me a message after he found out that I was the, uh, the keynote speaker. See if I can get his plate. Hey, Justin, it's Vinny from Russian River. Oh, was that it? That's all he said, really. <laughs> Gotta and go. I, and I was like, who? <laughs> That's really all it takes now. That's why you let it go to voicemail. I know the brewery. I don't know the guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, how cool am I? I let Vinny go to voicemail. <laughs> let me Ignore. see. <laughs> yeah, I hear you're the keynote for the Blue Bonnet this year. You know, they asked me to speak, but we're having this big brew house project going on, and in the end, I had to back out. I hope the audience doesn't mind you being my relief pitcher and all. Really, it's more like sloppy seconds. What are you going to talk about? What do you have to offer to these homebrewers? <laughs> have you even homebrewed before? Jerk. Dude, you better be prepared. These homebrewers know their shit. They could have at least gotten tasty to speak. <laughs> Remember when we were all in Australia this past November for the Australian Homebrewers Conference? Tasty was the most popular guy there. Yeah, he would kill it in Texas. <laughs> hey, before I run, can you do me a favor? Would you let them all know? I'm really excited to be there next year and to give the keynote at the 2016 Blue Bonnet. All right, man. Got to run. See you, dude. Bye. There you go. So that's for you guys. He's excited to be there with you next year. Was he reading and, off uh, a cheat sheet? Yeah. He sounded rehearsed. Yeah. Well, he's very... He takes every he, challenge seriously. He does. He's going to just take through that half-ass. He's yeah. the world's he best for the voicemailer. Yeah. Yeah. Ward. I'm pretty sure right. he sat down and wrote that for four hours. <laughs> he, he, yeah. he did. You could he's tell. Like, i got to get this right. He's a first-class guy. Well, he knew I was going to play it. He was nervous. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I like how he basically was like, uh, you know, I would do the thing, but I'm really busy with a job. <laughs> yeah. Essentially right. is what it came down to. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, yeah, I got nothing. Do I? I'm cool. 
And they didn't ask you back. That's weird. <laughs> well, it, it just happened. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it was. I had a great time. Oh my guys. Well, it was a well-ran event. Uh, lots of fun activities. Uh, okay, but one thing's a little crazy about it. <laughs> the raffle. Well, oh. no. The just the way they do all of their events, kind of in one day. Oh my god. All right. So anyway, it's a four-day event in two days. Everyone, yes, exactly. So everyone who's been to the national conference, you know, you, you have like pro night one night, which is enough, yeah. and then you got club night the next night, which is right. enough. All right. So here's what happened on Friday. They go, um, why don't you show up around one o'clock? All right. When's my keynote? Six thirty. Or what am I doing from one to six thirty? Oh, we're just going to hang out, and drink beer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you realize that uh, you know I got to speak after that. Ah, everything's fine. So I hang out and I drink beer. Uh, 6.30 comes around. I do my keynote. At 7.30, pro night starts. You know, it's a big beer festival. There's like 50 breweries in there. Yeah. That goes till, I don't know, 10.30 or 11. At that time, that room closes. You move to the next hall, and homebrew night starts. Jesus. From like a, so that goes from like 11.30 wow. till 2 a.m. Is it, is it, so, like, is it like when you, when you pour the really good wine? And then you go to the shitty wine because you can't taste it <laughs> exactly. anyway. Is that what it is? Yeah. I don't, Does that make I mean, sense then? But they, so pro night, club night, well, everything all in one day. So now I've been drinking from 1 p.m. to 2 a.m. Jesus. And then pro-am night starts at 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a 12-hour yeah. drinking event. Right. I, uh... Well, that was just day one. That was Friday. Yeah. Wow. So then Saturday, they put you on a bus for a beer tour, and you just go from beer place to beer place to beer place at noon until 6. Wow. Then at 7.30, the awards dinner starts, which is also a bottle share. So everyone's passing around oh like God. great <laughs> bottles of beer, and it's, and it's a normal awards ceremony till like 11 p.m. Uh, then you go back to somebody's suite, as <laughs> as you do, and drink more. Well, some do. Uh, <laughs> right. The less so, informed. You know, I, I loved it, but boy, oh boy, all in two days. That's a lot. It's a whole yeah, NHC <clears throat> in two days. Yeah, that Friday's a piece of work, for sure. Yeah. Great timing. Yeah. I had just gotten some blood test results back, too, saying <laughs> that my liver's not doing too great. What? And, Weird. Uh, <laughs> so then you celebrated. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah. How about a listen, I, I got a job to do. I already, I already committed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, I had gone in for... There's all kinds of stuff. I had to get a CT scan today on my head. Oh wow! I got in for a blood test last week. That's not week. what your liver is. <laughs> well, I don't have. I can't afford very good doctors. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, yeah so, he thought Obamacare would help. Right, okay. Turns out what happened. <laughs> so I, I, the day before I leave, I go in for this blood test, and she, she calls me the next oh, day. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. She, I, I, so I so I land in Texas for the blue bonnet. And uh, the doctor's like, like I, there's a message waiting for me. Yeah. And she's like, uh, listen, <laughs> things aren't looking too good for you. And uh, you need to come back in for some tests. Oh. <laughs> Apparently, my LDLs are through the roof. Yeah. And, and my uh, and, you know, liver enzymes are, um, the, how, how did she put it, uh, elevated. Elevated. Elevated, right. Hmm. Uh, so that I, sounds like, isn't that a good that's thing? A, yeah, you have more. That's great. <laughs> I guess it means that they're working. These are doing something, the lazy fucks. When you open a fine art museum in your town, you're elevating your community, aren't you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. a good thing. Well, so she goes, you know, you have to do, never do a blood test on Monday. Never. Never well, schedule. That, it's always a Friday. So... <laughs> Why? So I'm going to be honest. It doesn't, it doesn't really weekend. matter with it me. It does I matter. Mean, I've, it, it, believe me, I've gone to some beer festivals and come on Monday to do it. Oh, I see. And my doctor gave me the elevated call, too. Okay. Mm. I said, well, let me retake it. At the end of the week, I took it. 
And it was fine. Well, I might then have to retake. I took it today again because she goes, you got to come back in. <laughs> yeah. Because I was coming in for the CT scan anyway, for the head thing, <laughs> and then the. Uh, What's beyond elevated? So I, so I took the blood. And, you know, I went in the other day and it was like one test. It was like one vial. <laughs> yes. I go in today, the guy with the needles lays out eight friggin' wow. vials. <laughs> and I'm like, what are we testing? <laughs> He's like, oh, pretty much everything. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> wow. You better drink half pints tonight because you only got like a half a, a volume of blood. Right. Yeah, I got to take it easy tonight. And now we're leaving on, for this rogue trip on Wednesday, too. It's like Jay's DD. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> There's going to be another message for me tomorrow morning. Um, okay, so. Don't drive. Yeah. <laughs> you, should be, you should be available in the area in case <laughs> something happens. Maybe don't go too far away from yeah. Kaiser. Yeah. Uh, how's your cholesterol? Did they check that? That, that's what's in my LDLs, yeah, LDLs. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, through the roof, apparently. Yeah. Wow, it's, it's, it's like looking into a mirror of me five years ago. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. I feel, uh, I feel like uh, I have another person at my party. Uh, well, <laughs> frankly, you came out fine. You, know, right. you just had cancer. Uh, right, well, yeah. By yeah. the way, I, frankly, I was probably this, this way five years ago, too. Yes. I just, I've never had a blood test before. Right. So. You're always fine until, you, until someone tells you you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't have gone in at all. Stupid thing. Just write it out. <laughs> just written it out, man. Yep. If you can't so, see it, there's yeah. nothing wrong. So uh, I literally I land in Dallas. Like this is the message I get. What's through the roof? And I, I'm just, like, I just want to know. She didn't tell me. Oh no, she did. Two something. Two seventy oh, something. Please T- call me when you're at three thirty. What? <laughs> That's so high. That's, That's where said. I'm at now. She goes, yeah, you like it? <laughs> oh two seven, she, I was like, is that high? She goes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I think two seventy something. She said. Yeah, my I'm, blood pressure was really good. If that helps, yeah, my blood pressure is fine. Mine's like like two forty, two thirty. Okay, even on drugs. So it's just it's just a genetic crap. What kind of drugs are we talking? Here? Oh, you mean Lopin. medication? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Oh my. Yeah. Um, Herein no. lies the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing from Colombia. Oh, got yeah. it. Got yes. it. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. When we landed, you're like we're like within an hour of being at a bar, like you know, having a good time. Yeah, and and then knowing that what the schedule looked like too. What are you yeah. going to do? <laughs> so we'll find out what that message is tomorrow, right? Uh, <laughs> tomorrow. Today, yeah. we drink. Yeah, today everything everything seems to be fine. All right. Uh, gosh, we have a lot to do. I don't want to get behind here, so maybe I'll do my announcements in just a minute. Why don't we go ahead and do our AHA candidates? We're down okay. to the last two huh? uh, AHA governing committee candidate interviews today, and then I recommend if you've been waiting that you can, you can then go vote. What the AHA is going to do is put all of our interviews up on the website tomorrow, as <laughs> soon as we get them, these last two, so that you could go through and listen to each candidate, or maybe you've been following along anyway and you already kind of know where you're at so i uh, just want to let you know that but right now uh, we're going to get sandy cockerham on the phone um, she's one of our candidates this year and uh, the ha governing committee of course is represents you on the american homers uh, association and we're really just there to provide feedback and we're kind of a sounding board for the uh, the brewers so the homebrewers association staff and we try our best to do um, the best we can for you if you're not a member of the American Homebrewers Association, you can't vote, uh, but you should be a member anyway because they do all sorts of good things for you, and that's what we love about them. So the chance to be on the governing committee, it's, it's been an honor for me uh, where I've been. I'm going into my uh, third year here, I think it is. I think sixth year, fifth year. I don't know. Who knows? I don't even remember. Most How long of is it meetings. terms? Have you had to be, have you had to be <clears throat> reelected yet? I think so. A term's three years, and I'm pretty sure I'm on like my fifth. So. Oh, okay. I think. God, I don't know. 
Anyhow, don't vote for me. Are you, are you uh, saying you're saying that you have to be a, a member to vote? So would I have to show proof that I'm a member if I yeah. wanted to vote? Yeah, anti-Semite. <laughs> you got to show you your, see how that works. You got to show yeah. your tattoo. This isn't like a U.S. election where you just walk in and get to vote. <laughs> well, there, there, there. They, yeah, they don't mind the Jews there, yeah. but here they're against me. All right, let's go to Sandy. Uh, she should be on the line now. Hi, Sandy. Good evening. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing very well also, except that apparently I'm dying, according to my doctor. But uh, (laughs) other than that, 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 things are going great. Uh, Thank you for being on the program. I'm really glad you had me on here tonight. Absolutely. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how long you've been homebrewing? Well, I'm a native of Indiana, so I'm what you call a Hoosier. And uh, I've been homebrewing for over 25 years. Um, stopped and started a few times, like many people, due to grad school and the like. Um, I initially started homebrewing because of my dad, because when he was a young man, he and his brother used to homebrew. So he would always tell me about going to the store and buying the blue ribbon malt and the yeast cake and doing this. Nice. So uh, I have to say, I think my first batch came out better than anything they ever made. Wow. Nice. <laughs> uh, you didn't have that blue that blue ribbon malt, did you? Well, he did give me an old can, but I never did use it. <laughs> do you still have it? No, I do not. Okay. That's really sad, though. <laughs> that would have been but a fun experiment. But I bet experiment. it would be all like bulging and ugly by now. <laughs> so uh, you started making better beer than your dad. That's a good sign. Uh, you an all-grain brewer? I am. Uh, I do a little bit of all of it. Um Sometimes just for laziness, I use uh, specialty grains and dry malt extract. But uh, I've brewed everything except I do want to try to brew in a bag because that that sounds kind of fun. That does look fun. You know, one, one thing um, that you may not know about me, I was supposed to be at NHC last year and, and was part of the uh, committee, actually, and I was in a bad car wreck and wasn't able to go. And what that's made me really realize is that a real focus towards some of the brewers who may have um, not necessarily full-blown disabilities, but that too. But, you know, I had a bad car wreck. People throw their back out. We're all getting older, and apparently we're all going to die. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, Between between sports injuries and work-related injuries and all that, um, I'd like to see myself. I used to brew three-gallon batches because I had the dreaded electric stove, like many people started on. And let me tell you, you got some great beer stone on the bottom of the kettle from that element. But um, I'm going to go back to smaller batches, just because after my wreck, it's harder to lift the heavy stuff. But okay. I'd like to see more of an an outreach to to help people brew smaller or to use things uh, that help them. So that's one of the things I'm interested in is is serving some different parts of the population, um, which sometimes is all of us. Well, that's a great idea. In fact, there is a diversity subcommittee now on the uh, governing committee, and it sounds like they could probably use your input because that's the kind of diversity uh, part of it that, that we should be focused on, too. It's a good point you make. I know we yeah, have so, I, I know we have a listener who's nearly blind. This isn't a joke. He's nearly blind. He calls himself Blind Guy Brewer. Right. And uh he has friends come over and give him a hand and, and he brews all the time, I think. So any way to uh to help people out. 
I like the idea. Exactly. Yeah. Well, why else would you like to be on? As many people who want to brew. Absolutely. That that helps helps the hobby and it helps people in general. So... Um, all right. Well, anything else you'd like to say about why you'd like to be on the governing committee this time around? Well, um, I really, I've been a member of AHA for a long time. Went to my first GABF back in 94. And then I didn't go again for a while. But uh, I really like the the way that they work so much on great legislative issue, legislation that's helping everybody be able to homebrew in their state, but, you know, you still have ways to go where it's some places it's really hard for people to have competitions. So that's one of my key interests, too. Okay. Excellent. Well, we need smart people who are ready to, ready to work hard on the governing committee. So, um, folks, you can go over to the homebrewersassociation.org, homebrewersassociation.org, and click membership, and you'll find Sandy's photo there, Sandy Cockerham, uh, among the other candidates we've spoken to. You can read her bio there to learn a little bit more about her and why she'd like to be uh, here. And also, we'll have these interviews up this week, too. So, um, Sandy, I do wish you luck. How long have you been an AHA member? I'm curious. Oh, gosh. Early nineties, and I know I dropped Excellent. off a couple uh-huh. of years. And yeah, I can go back and look at some of those old Zymergies where they're um, the covers kind of in black and white. Nice. And they, they were pretty basic. Oh, that's very cool. So you, you've been a member for a while. That's good. Been supporting this organization. All righty. Well, thank you so much for having all of us on here. Well, you're welcome. Thank you, Sandy, and I wish you luck. Thanks. Good okay. night. Take care. Good night. There you go. Once again, homebrewersassociation.org, and uh, you can check it out there. So, all right, we got uh, our last one. Oh, wow. Another, Already? And then another year of GC candidates has gone by. Oh. Seems like only last year we were doing this. Yeah. And two years ago. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, although it doesn't look like my can- next candidate is there. Uh-oh. Let's see. Let's try. We'll just see what happens. Let's just try. Why not? Let's just do it. I mean, I got nothing to lose, right? <laughs> or nothing hold, else to do. Yeah. Do they hold special elections if one of the uh, <clears throat> candidates, or not candidates, but one of the members dies mid-year? <laughs> right. I mean, I'm of, just thinking ahead for you. Of Good liver question. failure? <laughs> just, Good question. Just, yeah. Only woman to know. By first chance, of all, liver failure? First of all, that's bad PR for right. the uh, Homebrewers Association. <laughs> if I do, if I, that's how I croak. They're not going to publish that. <laughs> not at all. There'll be no memorial service for yeah. me at the Homebrewers Conference. Yeah, unknown Natural causes. causes. <laughs> Yeah, definitely yeah. unknown causes. Uh, <laughs> so I, it's a good question, Bevo. I should, I'll inquire about that. You this, should, yeah, you should check week. it out. All right, we should have Jonathan Fuller on the line now. Jonathan, are you with us? I sure am, yep. Hey, thanks for being on the program. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me, for sure. Where are you from? Tell us a little about yourself. Uh, well, I, I was born, well, I was born in Maine. Well, I was born many years ago. Um, I was born in Maine, but I grew up in Vermont. Uh, I just spent... I just moved back here to Vermont after uh, seven years in Northern California in the Bay Area and in your neck of the woods. Okay, yeah. Um, I just moved back here with my wife and four-year-old son. Um, Finally got the opportunity to come home, so kind of seized the day. And we just finished a a two-and-a-half-week trip across country in a a 26-foot RV camper trailer 
uh, to get here with all of our stuff and it and the truck. It was it was quite an epic adventure. Yeah, through the snow <laughs> and the rain and everything else. And the, and the rain and the ice storms, yep. Interesting time of year you chose. Yeah, you know, thinking back, maybe we could have chosen a better time of year. But on the <laughs> other hand, yeah. yeah, it was an adventure. Good. I'm glad you made yeah. it safely. Tell us about your homebrewing. Um, well, I, uh, I've been homebrewing for, uh, let's call it 10 years. I, I brewed some mead poorly more than that ago, but I started brewing beer about 10 years ago and, uh, in the last four years have gotten really serious. I went all grain about four years ago and, um, largely thanks to the AHA, um, or perhaps, uh, the AHA is to blame. I'm not sure which way to go with that. <laughs> sure. Um, but um, uh, when I started uh, hanging out on the AHA forum, I just, I don't know if the enthusiasm of the people there, or the enthusiasm of the AHA itself kind of infected me and I got really into it and started, you know, brewing once or twice a month and going crazy and doing contests and also all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I brew everything or okay. whatever. Beautiful. Tell us why you want to be on the governing committee. Um, well, you know, I've been listening to the other candidates. I just finished listening to Sandy. And um, and I think it's interesting because I think a lot of us are saying the same thing. Uh, the AHA, especially right now, uh, seems like kind of a bastion of, of diversity and homebrewing. And, um, and I think that's great. And I think that's awesome. And I want to keep it that way. And I want to help make it even better. That's a big part of of it um and then i mean that's 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 really the 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 core of of my desire to be on the governing committee um when i before i i started before i became a member of the aha i was frequenting other other chat groups and other internet sites not yours uh, of course because yours is is wonderful and amazing <laughs> thank you I, I didn't know about it yet so okay uh, yeah uh, but anyway there there was some some fairly uh unpleasantness some fairly high level of unpleasantness on some of those other boards and when i found the ha it was it was one of the things i really liked about it was the fact that it was a place i could hang out and not feel uncomfortable nice because of people being mean to everybody else yeah Definitely something you find on the internet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the AHA has a great forum, by the way, if you don't know about it, folks, uh, over at homebrewersassociation.org. Another reason to, to become a member, because uh, it is a great place for homebrewers to share information. So, And you, you ran for the governing committee last year as well, right? I did. Okay. I did. Um, uh, yeah, and it was, it was a fun experience. I, uh, we didn't get to do an interview last year because there were like 37 of us or yeah, whatever. Yeah, there was just too many, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and I did. And, um, you know, I was encouraged. Danny encouraged me and, and Gary encouraged me to, to run again this year. So, you know, I, I, I want to give something back to the community as a whole, as a group and to the AHA in particular. So, you know, I'm going to try it again. Okay. Um, but, you know, it's really great this year because, I mean, you look at all the candidates and it doesn't really matter if I win. It doesn't matter if any of them win. We're all 
good candidates. I think we'll all be really assets to the organization. Absolutely. You make a good point. I think that's difficult for everybody. We do all like to listen to you and and read your bios there and and listen to the interviews. But it is a hard choice because I think you're right when you say everyone really has the same goal, which is just to try to make the hobby better and the organization better. And uh, And I I like that. Even if he doesn't win, everybody wins. Everybody because wins. We, we get somebody who's who's good and who who's you know, all for home brewing. And yeah, I like that attitude. Yeah, yeah. none of the candidates yeah. are there just to advance their own personal agenda. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <Huh. laughs> yeah. huh. Me, I think I was. When I'm I was using kidding. it as a stepping stone to get onto the brewing association <laughs> board. I'm trying to press the girls. Yeah. 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 Oh, boy, do the chicks love a guy on the governing committee. <laughs> oh, yeah. It doesn't even matter what he's governing. <laughs> it works every chick- time. It's all about that seat at the, at the banquet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, you can go to homebrewersassociation.org and read more about Jonathan Fuller and everybody's bio there and, and why he's interested in being on the governing committee. And I recommend you do so. I believe that voting ends this week. So we're going to get these interviews up uh, as quick as we can tomorrow. And, I, and please do go vote, members. Please vote. I'm sure you're going to vote, Jonathan. I, I already have. You I, already have. Good. Uh, long, long ago. Okay. I, maybe I should do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why not? No, they require ID, man. They already know you voted. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, never mind then. Well, thank you for being on the program, and I wish you luck, sir. Well, thank you for having me. Okay. Take care, Jonathan. All right. Bye bye. And there you go. That is all, uh, I believe, 10 candidates. Um, You can go read about them. You can listen again tomorrow um, up on the AHA website. And, and again, I I can't say it enough. Please go vote if you're a member. It's super simple. It takes five minutes. It's much easier than all the other voting you do in your life. Yeah. Which I'm way too lazy. Or don't do. Or don't do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or do for someone else. (laughs) Right, yeah. Or fill in someone else. Or cheat as you're – all right. It is, it's, it's super easy to do. So please go do so. And I want to thank all of our governing can, uh, committee uh, Canadians. Uh, Canadians. I'd like to thank all the Canadians yeah. and the governing committee uh, uh, candidates. There's one Canadian on the on the list we interviewed. Is that um, – I thought you had to be naturalized <clears> – <throat> What no, is, no. is the world coming no, to? No, that's yeah. what I said to him, I think, during the interview. Why We're letting yeah. you in? This is the American <laughs> Homebrewers Association. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's part of the diversity committee or something. I, <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I thought Canadians are as diverse as we get. That's well, diverse, yeah. Baby steps. Well, we'll listen, start with Canadians. They, they're policemen yeah. still ride horses. So I <laughs> right. feel like that's our diversity. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I do wish all the candidates luck and thank them again for being on the program. Let me get through some just quick announcements and we'll take a break before we get to our guest today. Riverwalk Brewing Company is in studio with us. They came all the way out from Mass to hang out with us. Massachusetts. New- Newburyport, Massachusetts, to be exact. And they're going to be here in the studio sharing some beer with us. So we're going to learn about Riverwalk Brewing Company. Yeah, we're, we're violating our longstanding tradition of ignoring East Coast craft breweries. That's right. I Who? mean, yeah, exactly. I didn't want to book them, but, you know. You were, you, your hands were tied. Yeah, they are. All right. Uh, don't forget, we now have a official Drunk of the Week number. You can call 855-WIN-DOTW. 855-WIN-DOTW. You can leave that message anytime. Some of you have been doing so, and um, in some cases, we've been having fun listening to them. <laughs> like, so, some cases. Here's someone who discovered uh, that uh, it was set up, and this, this is the message he felt. First off, that's a really dumb automated message. Secondly, thank you for setting this lineup. 
Have a good day. I mean, thanks for the message, but that that is that is not a qualifier for for DOT dub. Hey, he got played. Well, that was his that was his preface to his drunk of the week call that yeah. he's working on. That was the test oh, call. That's the lead up. Yeah, oh, he knows he's going to. Yeah, because I'm I'm sure he's tried and tried and tried before, but you know we never answered his phone call or whatever. So just but, making sure, right? Yeah, yeah. Because frankly, we could just be screwing with you. Um, it is there, 855-WIN-DOTW. Also, if you haven't heard, our BNA 10, our 10th anniversary location, we're sharing our party with White Labs and their 20th anniversary. So it's our 1020 party. It'll be Wednesday, June 10th at Broadway Pier in San Diego. That's right before the National Homebrewers Conference. And uh, tickets will be going on sale Probably, uh, I want to say next month. I want to say April. And um, we'll do a VIP hour like we always do. So what you want to do is uh, make sure you're on our newsletter. You are part of our newsletter by being a recurring donor in the BN Army. And that goes out every month, and that's where we send information first, especially for VIP tickets. That that actually goes out to the mailing list first. They get special access before we ever put the rest of the tickets on sale. So... You're going to want to sign up as a, as a donor here by hitting the donate button on our homepage. Uh, you can also then just pay attention to our Facebook and, and things like that. Or you can go over to BNA10.com for updates. So stay tuned, and tickets will be on sale soon. We are headed to Rogue this week. Yes. Doing a little road trip up to Rogue. We're having a meet-and-greet party at the Rogue Pub in Newport, Oregon on March 27th. So I, uh, clock out from your crab boats early right. and yeah. come down. Start swimming to shore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. Oh, I can't Does wait. Does anybody live up there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think we have yeah, crabs. John and Stacy. <laughs> two listeners, John and Stacy, and a bunch of crabbers. Right. So we're going to wear... Uh, <laughs> it's going to be so amazing. I'm yeah. going to wear galoshes. <laughs> like full-on waiters and shit. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the Newport uniform. Dressed should, like the Gordon Fisherman. Yeah. You should definitely check the weather forecast before you do that. <laughs> you dumbass. Yeah. Uh, you guys want to guess the population of Newport? Uh, Seven. Seventeen. No, I think it's like 800 people. That's yeah. my guess. thousand barrels a year? Your, your, your real guess is 800? Yeah. Okay, it's ten thousand. That's a tiny city. Okay, great. Eight hundred. That's yeah. eight hundred. like a mailbox in a dirt road, and you can't see what's down it. <laughs> yeah. Well, pretty much the only time I've been to Newport is on the shore right there at the pub, and then I get on the highway and leave. Like I don't know how big the town is. <laughs> and look, don't ruin my 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 favor for the old school charm right. of of America's seaside cities. <laughs> that is, that is, is that it's is that I don't know, a, man. Newport man. America's seaside city. city. Ten thousand is a charming number. That's a charming <laughs> Small amount of people, You're yeah. right. All right. Uh, so we'll be there. That's this Friday, by the way. Um, this Friday. Yeah. And in fact, I think we're going to be there Thursday night just drinking, too. It's different. Well, it's different from Friday because you're invited Friday. <laughs> because it's Thursday. <laughs> right. I don't know. But if you happen to make it there on Thursday, we'll yeah. be there. Oh, and we're, you we're, can we're, come yeah. hang out with us. Yeah. It'll yeah. be much like Friday, except, uh, you yeah. know, There's without no, all the pressure. Yeah, except no, you'll no. have an official invitation and not just be a party crasher. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> right. So... We, there's that. Um, Whatever. All right. More Beer is giving away tickets to the National Homebrewers Conference. Go over to morebeer.com right now. You can register every day between now and April 15th. So I recommend you do so because it's two tickets to the NHC. It's flights. It's hotel. It's two VIP passes to the uh, BN party. It's all in there. You name it. So uh, go over to morebeer.com right now. Sign up every day for a chance to win. Do all your shopping over on Amazon by clicking the Amazon link on our homepage. And that's the way you can support us. Product of the week. Uh, yes, quickly, uh, someone bought the uh, hotly anticipated follow-up to Fool's Assassin, Assassin's Quest by Robin Hobb, uh, the uh, third book in the Farseer trilogy. 
Uh, and I, I picked it as my uh, product of the week because they paid one cent for it through a third party, uh, from which we got zero percent, which is nothing. Uh, so, I well, mean, uh, it was a good effort. It's, it's, the, thought. Thought. it's yeah. the thought. It is the thought. I like that you can get a product on Amazon for a freaking penny. That's it's amazing. Great. Yeah. Like, wow. does it get shipped to you? I don't quite understand. I bought books. I, I bought Kindle that. books for a do- for a penny. So wow. it's a download. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Have fun listening to your free book, you jerk. <laughs> Thank you for clicking the Amazon link and giving it a shot. We do appreciate it. Uh, get all these updates more uh, and more over on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, send show ideas to Scott the Jew. That's scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. Send feedback over to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. All right. We're going to take a quick bre- uh, break. When we come back, Riverwalk Brewing Company, live and in studio here at the Hop Grenade. If you're local, come on down. If you're not, listen up. See you in a bit. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. First Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like... 
Brew Your Own magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer, whether for yourself or as a gift. When you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. show thanks for hanging out with us hey don't forget about our good friends over at the siebel institute of technology in fact to help you remember uh, they are conducting a random drawing of siebel institute newsletter subscribers to receive fully paid tuition to any of the three web-based professional brewing courses that's a value of about 13 grand folks nice. uh, enter to win simply by signing up to receive the siebel institute e-newsletter uh, full details you can just go to siebelinstitute.com uh, it's the Siebel Institute of Technology, America's Brewing School. All right, JP, uh, do we have a Twitter game real quick? We sure do. What do you got? Uh, well, dogs and beer seem to go so well together. You just look around any hip beer bar, and you're sure to find at least one tied to a railing on the patio, sometimes even in people's laps. Since beer lovers seem to be inseparable from their shitty household pets, the next logical step is to brew using one. At what point would you use man's best friend as an ingredient in the brewing slash serving process? <laughs> I thought that Tasty already does this. Yeah, I think you, <laughs> he don't does, you? As a Masha, but well, but yeah. you know, he set the bar. <laughs> I see. So what right? now? Right. right? What now? As you, any part of the dog? Any whatever you, you, you could well. use it as a kegerator. I don't care. Whatever. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> That's what I should have done with the biscuit. Is, is, <laughs> yeah. is turn her into a dispenser? Yeah. Oh. Or. Should've. Hollow it, out, a, growler cover. hollow it out and dog-age some beer inside. Uh, right. She always had a leaky faucet anyway, so <laughs> it wouldn't have been any good. All right. All right, so, so just tweet in those answers, I guess. Is that how it works? <laughs> it's pretty much <laughs> yeah. the same way. Welcome to the 21st work. century. Yeah. Every week, thank you. Put a stamp on it. It'd be great. <laughs> All right, our guests tonight are Riverwalk Brewing Company, and we've got uh, Steve Sanderson. He's the uh, founder and, and brewmaster, and Christian Susie, the head brewer. Thanks for being on the show, guys. 
Thanks for having us. We're really excited to be here. You guys came all the way out from Massachusetts for the program. We a did. Long trip. Yes, that is a long <laughs> trip. Yeah, no, nothing else. <laughs> Mostly to avoid the nine feet of snow that's on the ground. Yeah, there. good call. You're like, oh, yeah, let's be honest here. <laughs> we tried to book you, book you in the summer, but you're like, fuck that. We're <laughs> coming in when it's snowing. <laughs> nice. What else did you do when you guys were here? Did you get to some good California spots? Yeah, well, you know, we got a great uh, tour of San Francisco from uh, from a friend of Christians. Actually, we hit, um, you know, we kind of hit hit the, hit the tarmac around eight o'clock uh, Saturday night, and then. Hotel and straight to Magnolia Brew Pub, which was excellent. Uh, we got Tornado for a couple of beers, and then Last Call, which was uh, which was great. And then yesterday was uh, Lagunitas and uh, Russian River up in Santa Rosa. So okay, we've made the most of our time. I think beautiful. You, yeah, you reported to me that you were treated nicely at Tornado. Yeah, I don't want to make too much of that um, because <laughs> I don't want I don't want that to turn into a, a interesting. Thing. But <laughs> um, you know. Well, because you went up to the bar and you knew what you wanted to order when you got there. Yeah, we were we were businesslike. Yes, we we so, didn't uh, we didn't waste it, any time. That's actually all it takes. That but, is you know, not all it it's takes. It's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much all it takes. No, it's amazing. There's I'm, really no secret. I've never had an issue otherwise. No, there's it's a just, secret. Uh, there's a secret for get, some reason. When not you get being to the bar, JP. You know yeah. what you want and don't be JP. Don't be me. Yeah. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yeah. If I could firebomb a place, it would be that place. <laughs> right. Uh, and then, okay, so Russian River and Lagunitas. So you, you've made yeah. good use of your time. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for making it all the way out here. Um, give us a little bit of the Riverwalk history. How did you guys get started in brewing? Well, um, the brewery started up uh, about three years ago now, um, actually as a, um, a sole venture with uh, my wife and I are the, uh, the owners of the brewery. Okay. Uh, we don't have any outside investors or anything like that. So kind of bootstrapped it all ourselves and um, started out with just me basically brewing all the beer. Uh, delivering, selling all the beer. Our first account was actually across the street from the original brewery, and I'd wheel a keg over on a hand truck or something okay. like that if I had nice. to. Um, That's a good place to start. Hey, where should we sell first? How about that place right there? Yeah, how about, how about the beer bar across the street? I don't know. Does that seem like a good plan? Yeah. Um, so uh, so that, that was basically the, the origin of the brewery, and, um, you know, we – uh, when we were first starting out, we were having a hard time finding a location and not having a ton of money to work with, um, you know, and not really, you know, wanting to take that huge risk of getting a, a giant space and doing a huge build out. Uh, ended up finding a local brewery that um, really, really, you know, nicely let us sublease, essentially. So okay. I I set up a small, like, two-barrel brewing system that I had kind of built myself in the back corner of this brewery and, like, literally was like, you know, I don't know, like, 20 square feet or something like that, where I had this tiny little setup and, wow. um, you know, my, my rent was essentially that I would work for the brewery at the same time. So I, okay. I brewed beer for them. I, you know, transferred stuff. Um, it was a craft brewery, I assume it was. Yeah. I'm yeah. surprised they had a, even a small amount of space. That's usually the premium at breweries, right? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing, this was, you know, this was a few years back now and, um, you know, the, those guys were great guys, really, really, you know, couldn't have gotten started without them. Maybe not the best business people, um, okay. if you get, if you get my trip. Yeah. Um, but, uh, they, you know, they did have, they did have the space and, uh, we made it work. Um, you know, so it'd basically be me in there brewing. Um, tell me about this, this, this home built two barrel setup. What, what was it made out of? Uh, it was actually pretty, um, you know, we, we used it up until, um, sort of the beginning of, of 2014. So we put this thing to good use. Um, I had a friend who helped me weld it, but I kind of designed the frame. It was, um, you know, almost similar to systems that you might see from like, uh, 
um, you know, more beer, some of those, some okay. of those smaller type systems. But I bought two barrel kettles for it, mash ton. Um, it had a couple of pumps, uh, you know, heat exchanger built in, uh, burners. I built a control panel for it. So my idea for this whole system was that you could essentially replicate uh, a larger brewing setup, uh, whatever, mm-hmm. seven, ten. 20 barrel system you could you could do the same process things would take the same amount of time figuring that if i could you know perfect the recipes on this and and have a repeatable process then we could move up to the larger system and the scale up wouldn't be too difficult okay it would also kind of give me you know give me some practice at doing that so it was designed to be you know essentially the same you know process as a larger brewing system um but two barrels just so that i have my math right i do always have to double check the math (laughs) part is basically four kegs it's, it is. It is not basically four kegs. It is four kegs. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm just checking. So, in, but you're doing this commercial. You were not home brewing. This was no. your commercial system. No, this was a, this was a commercial system. And the first, you know, I, again, I I got into this not really not really knowing honestly a lot about how commercial breweries worked, learning a lot really quickly, and then kind of getting an idea of the scale that you're looking at. Okay. Because when you're a home brewer, you're, you know, you're doing about five, 10 gallons. You think two barrels, that sounds like a lot of beer. Yeah. Man, like when you're, when you start commercially brewing, you look at the numbers, it's, it's a tiny amount. So I had, I had two barrel fermenter and I had a couple one barrel fermenters, um, which was, you know, in retrospect, pretty stupid. But, um, <laughs> but it's, it's what you had. Yeah, so. it's, what I, it's what I had. And then yeah. and pretty quickly, I, yeah, I started cannibalizing everything I could. I, I ended up fermenting some batches in like 15 gallon plastic buckets. Okay. So there were some early batches of our IPA that, you know, that were done in those buckets. And I'd have to, you know, <laughs> I'd dry hop in the bucket and then I'd take the bucket and pick it, pick it up and move it into the cold room and have to put it up on kegs so I could get up high enough to siphon out of the bucket <laughs> into a keg that I'd pulled the spear out of. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty uh, uncomfortable home brew situation. Probably. Yeah, right. uh, exactly. yeah. <laughs> You must have still yeah. had a, a, a day job because you couldn't have been selling enough beer to pay all the bills with, with that volume. Oh, no, no. I, okay. I, I was, you know, uh, I was working, um, I, I'd been a financial planner for years, and I got out of that okay. business. And um, while I was getting the brewery up and running, uh, I was actually working for a friend of mine who had his own office. So I was kind of helping him get that office set up. Okay, uh, you know, fortunately, my wife also had a job and had mm. benefits and all that stuff, and still does, which is <laughs> right, still needed, which is key. I would recommend to anyone starting a brewery. <laughs> <laughs> Have to do that to meet your yeah. wife and to see if she'll finance it. Meet, meet my wife, <laughs> um, my my, yeah. my father in law, my mother in law are great too. I <laughs> nice. just introduce yourself to them. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, when does Christian come on board? And and the reason I'm asking at this point in time is because I wonder if he came in and saw your system and thought you were crazy. Well, he actually he actually came on board after a lot of that stuff had had passed by because we moved after about six months in this. Well. We were in production for six months. It took us a little over a year to get licensed. So I was in this place for you know, a little over a year and a half. But we moved after about six months um, to our own facility. Okay. So where we are now, we have our own facility. It was, you know, we, we built it out. Um, you know, I, we did a lot of the work ourselves, but um, it's, it's much, you know, it's much more suited for what we're doing. So he came on board. We had the two-barrel brewery, still the, the brewing system, but we were actually um, – uh, I was brewing into seven barrel tanks. Okay, so, so he came in and was like, "Oh, you have a cool pilot system over there." That's- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking actually. When he, when what he what came were in. you thinking when you came in, Christian? I had no thoughts. I was home brewing at home on my stove, so I was thinking, "Wow, this is cool. Nice. Like this is glorious." He's this got guy all knows this fancy doing. equipment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Much nicer yeah. than my Three brand new yeah. seven barrel tanks. It was you know nothing I had you know other than tours. It was nothing I'd seen or used before. So okay, cool. Yeah. 
Let's hear yeah. all about it. Yeah. Now, so how was it licensing a brewery within a brewery? Now, I, I've heard of alternating proprietorships where you use yes. the same brew house. And, of course, there's contract brewing. But to actually have a separate commercial license with a sep- with separate equipment, did, did that matter? Yeah, it was a giant pain in the ass, actually. Okay. Um, it was uh, just because it was it was such a, a strange setup that that's, you know, when the, when those applications come in, the, the weird ones are always the ones that are going to get put in the bottom of the pile because people don't know how to deal with them. So it was an alternating proprietorship, and we did have to get all that paperwork, you know, kind of squared away. Um, but, you know, I had to – and also from my inexperience, I assumed that when you sent that into the, you know, government agencies, they actually – would do their jobs and you know just prop- <laughs> oh that's so nice <laughs> oh you naive, naive yeah yeah i assume that they would just process it in a timely manner yeah and um so the you know the the fed side actually took the longest but we got through that and then on the state side you know when the state inspector came in and saw what we we're trying to do he's like I, i've never even heard of this like, right this is, you know i don't <laughs> even know what an alternating proprietor should, like so it wasn't he wasn't even to that point um, which is pretty self-explanatory you yeah. would think. <laughs> it's it's not that hard and then he, he actually you know and again these you know these are the same people that have to go visit bars and they're busting people for underage drinking and it's not you know there's very few breweries that they actually have to deal with so they don't you know they don't have the training. They don't know. Sure. He didn't even know how to enter it in the system because he's like, well, there's two licensees with the same address. How are we even going to get this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Once I made some calls to some politicians, that magically got cleared up okay. a lot more quickly. Yeah. So, that's weird how that works. Yeah. Str- <laughs> strange how that happens. Yeah. We had a similar experience. <laughs> yeah. And ours wasn't all that complicated either. But uh, yeah. still, sometimes you got to do that. Yeah. Let, let me ask this. If, if it's an alternating proprietorship anyway, why not use the the brew house? The, I assume they had a larger brew house, or was there's one barrel in yours? <laughs> uh, what is this two-barrel brew house that you speak of? They're brewing out of coffee cans, actually. <laughs> no, they had a, a seven-barrel system. Okay. Um, so they they didn't necessarily have the extra tank capacity. Okay. Um, I I wasn't confident at that point of being able to sell that much beer because again I didn't have an idea of the scale. Yeah. Um. So you know, and, and my plan had been kind of all along to do this, you know, really small to to begin with. So, um. And, and also I'm kind of I'm kind of picky about my equipment and how it works and you know I, you know I I felt like I kind of wanted to keep it separate because yeah, that you know, makes sense. I wanted it to work the way I wanted it to work and you know well and like you said it. then you, when you're ready to scale up you're scaling up from your own system and I, exactly okay exactly yeah, and you wanted to, you know it's your initial products you wanted to have high quality so that uh, yeah so you had to have complete control of the brewing yeah exa- I think that's a really good point yeah okay so you go on like this for a while when did you open when did the place uh, it was uh, so we first opened in um, May of 2012 is when we sold our first beer out of our original location and then we moved uh, in September of 2012 to the the current location okay and the current location now has a seven barrel system yep we're uh, we're at a seven barrel system now we have um, uh, we still have a couple of seven barrel tanks but we have a 15 barrel fermenters and a 15 barrel bright tank as well okay. All right. Well, let's talk about the beer that's in our glass uh, before we move on uh, too much further. Uh, which beer did you give us first? This is Uncle Bob's. Uh, Uncle Bob's bitter, uh, kind of a more traditional English-style bitter, um, not a style that you see too often, uh, at least around our area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this really came from you know my my love of the style of beer. I love cask beer. I've been to England a bunch of times. Um, it's named after a, a friend of mine, his uncle, uh, Uncle Bob, who 
took us around England. Um, you know, just loves loves beer, but loves loves proper beer. Yeah, he's very specific about like he he's from York. He's from the north of England. Okay, he won't he he goes to London. He doesn't think he can get a good beer in London. Yeah, he's like oh, there's no no good beers there. Um, so, but he had a couple of of his particular favorites that he liked, and you know, I wanted to be able to find something like that around us, and couldn't. So I had an uncle Bob. Myself. A lot of people do. Yeah, he liked cocaine and hookers, though. Uh, not, he wasn't. He wasn't totally very, different flavors. He wasn't very discerning about beer. Totally different bitter. Yeah, yeah. the wrong yeah. different kind of yeah. bitter. Yeah. He wasn't actually your uncle either. It's like it was the, the, the creepy yeah. dude moniker. We, we all call them Uncle Bob. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hey, you guys are aware? Uh, maybe you're not. That there's a uh, Bob's your uncle out of a Red Barn Brewery. Have you gotten a cease and desist from those guys yet? Oh no, we sent the cease and desist. Oh, you did. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bob's your isn't that a isn't that an Australian saying? Bob's your uncle. Is that an Australian? I think, I think it's English. Australian brewery or an English thing. Okay. Yeah. It, and it actually is an English bitter. This Bob's your uncle. Okay. Yeah. There will be words. Is travel how you got into to liking Cascale and English beer and and wanting to come back and produce it yeah. yourself? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a there's a cask beer festival that goes on in the Boston area called Nearax, the New England Real Ale Exhibition that's been going on for a long time. One of the oldest cask beer festivals in the U.S. Okay. And they do a great job and. Um, I got to try some of the cast beers there, but that that really spurred me to go to England. And I've you know, I don't know, I've been over there probably like five or six times now. Um, and it's just it's a whole different experience to have these beers on cask. Whether it's you know, even the stuff that comes over here in bottle. Um, if you've been there, and you had it. Uh, it's it, you know, it's alive. It's fresh. Yeah. It's just. Um, they do such a great job with the balance on these lower alcohol beers. I mean, the whole pub cult, pub, pub culture is great as well. Yeah. Uh, but um, that's that's really what kind of turned me onto this. And you know, the next beer we're going to try the the mild. It's a, it's the same sort of thing. These are not beers that you find necessarily that that readily. And okay. on cask, I think they really shine. This is a great bitter uh, out of the bottle. Do you guys? Is it bottle conditioned or force carb and then bottle? Well. So we don't we don't really do uh, a lot of bottling right now. Okay. Um, we're actually going to be we're in the process of buying a bottling line. So everything that we're having today was was hand bottled um, off a counter pressure filler that Christian built. Nice. Um, and Christian can tell you how how efficient this machine is. Not uh, very efficient. <laughs> <laughs> I, you... I spent a better part of a day bottling these just to bring them to California. So. <laughs> right. Uh, better we appreciate lost, this. We lost six barrels in the bottling process. <laughs> Actually, the loss is very minimal. It's just time I consuming. See. Yeah. Yeah. A um, quick side note, just because I'm thinking of this counter pressure filling. When we were just in Texas, um, you're allowed to fill growlers at a lot of the, the beer bars there. You can take growlers to go. And there was a place pretty much dedicated to that you can go in and have a pint too but because any one of their taps and maybe there was 20 of them or something could do growlers instead of having a regular tap that you might hook a hose up to all of their taps were blickman beer guns and the beer guns all just sat in a tub of probably sanitizer or something they pull it out they would pour both your pints or fill your growler with a blickman beer gun counter pressure filler hmm. So they didn't have a single normal draft where you just pull the handle and, and pour it that's, into a glass. That's weird. Isn't that strange? That's really strange. It's, it's this was, they this just was put, a, put guns and everything. But the, <laughs> I'm sure this was a, a bar that had multiple breweries yes. beer. Yes. It was, wow. Yes. I'm that's sure John Blickman uh, thanks them very much. Right? I know. Yeah. It's a huge yeah. Blickman advertisement. It should be in his catalog. But I, I mean, I see why, right? Because... Because they do each and every one, they don't want to switch out an apparatus, whether it's going to be a glass or a growler that they want to counter-pressure fill. 
but what a pain in the ass it must be to pour pints. Oh, my God. Every time. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, just thinking Their trigger of your, fingers are real strong. Yeah, exactly. Um, Can I just go back to something you said a second ago um, where you thought maybe they were bottle conditioning? Would you? Is this a style of beer you would ever bottle condition? I think so. I think that would actually be kind of the natural way to do it. And, in fact, in the cask, it, it would be conditioned uh, if you were casking. Uh, you, would. Do I have that right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. absolutely correct. Um, yeah, you would, you know— I think bottle conditioning would certainly work well yeah. with this style. I mean, we just we don't have the setup to be able to do that. Sure. Um, Some of the ideas behind yeah. it is that it, it, it's a different sort of carbonation. It can be a little bit softer, um, and it's certainly just more um, uh, traditional. However, it's also kind of a pain in the ass to be consistent, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for, for, for what this, we do with this beer, we try and keep the carbonation level well below what a traditional American, you know, ale carbonation would be at. So we're trying to mimic that cask style. I love the uh, level in, you did with this way. one. Because it, it keeps the beer... What happens is if you carbonate this too much, it, the beer gets thin. It, it can be a little astringent. You lose some of the subtlety with, like, the malt. And, you know, there's a there's a sort of uh, fruitiness with a the, from the yeast character. And that can kind of get thinned out with too much carbonation. Yeah. No one will be surprised to hear that when I screw up some of my recipes and they're a little out of balance, like on that sweet side, I'll just overcarbonate a little bit and try to try to thin it out like you're talking about. What do you mean when you screw up some of your recipes? <laughs> I know. It never really works, but I always try because of explanations like that. People go, well, it will kind of lift it off your palate and thin it out a little bit. And so I use it as a tool. Or it'll just pour all foam and no one will get any anyway. <laughs> yeah, or there's that. I really like the carbonation level of this one. Uh, I think you did yeah. it just right. Um, so you did it just for, for something like this, but usually this is just going into a keg for you guys. Yeah. For, so, so the way that we distribute right now, um, we do all our own distribution. Most, most of our volume is in, is on draft is in kegs, but we started, um, you know, we fill growlers at the brewery and we sell growlers at the brewery. We started doing the 32 ounce growler there and it got really popular and we ended up putting some of those on shelves. And before we knew it, we had a lot of liquor stores that wanted them, a lot of places that want them. So we're, we're sending out right now a lot of 32 ounce growlers, nice. um, which is which is great. Uh, gets beer out there. People like it. Um, the downside is we are we're basically filling on demand right now. So if we get orders from you know ten or twenty liquor stores on a Monday or Tuesday, we're filling those for delivery on Thursday and Friday because we don't want them to sit there on the shelf too long because the the shelf life just isn't the same on them. Um, okay. So we that's that's one of the reasons why we are we're going to be investing in a, a bottling line and kind of doing the bottling more properly we'd you know we'd looked at doing um 22s like we brought uh today and doing something a little bit more manual but um you know it, it was really hard for me to pull the trigger on a process that i didn't feel was going to treat the beer yeah uh, you know as best as it possibly could thank and, you so the timeline and, and also yeah Christian right. would be dead so <laughs> it's too much so the timeline for a new bottling line is when your wife gets a second job uh, <laughs> or uh, it's when the fine folks at uh the financing companies, which I will not name, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. decide that they uh, would like to um, finance this project. Um, no, we, it, we're, we're actually targeting uh, May to, to have bottles out there. Excellent. Um, okay. So it's, it's, it's going to be a big switch for us, but it's going to be a really, really positive development as far as being able to get good quality, you know, uh, shelf-stable beer okay. uh, out there. Well, yeah. uh, tell us about the recipe in this one so we can try the mild, too. Christian, you want to jump in on that? Um, so we're talking about the bitter here still. Yeah, the recipe on this one's uh, relatively simple. Um, Golden Promise as a base malt. Um, we try and use, we use a lot of uh, Thomas Fawcett English malts. Um, so Thomas Fawcett Golden Promise. 
there's a touch of crystal in there, uh, possibly four and a half, five percent crystal, and that's it as far as malt goes. Okay. Um, English strain of yeast. It's a Tim Taylor strain. It comes from uh, Brewing Science Institute, uh, A69, I believe is the number. Okay. Does that come? How does how does that come to you? Is that a dry yeast or a liquid yeast? Uh, that comes to us in liquid. So um, previously, we bought that yeast direct from BSI, and they would send you kind of like if we bought a seven barrel pitch, they would send you a seven barrel pitch, and it's liquid um, yeast. Yeah, uh, that's actually one of the yeast strains right now that we're um, propag- propagating in house. Uh, saves a little money. Okay. I'll take a quick side note here. Um, our, so our, our first three beers that we came out with and, and the, our year-round beers that we currently have are our IPA, uh, Uncle Bob's, that we just had, and, and Nomad, which is a farmhouse ale. Um, again, in my, my sort of naivete, I was like, oh, this is great. I can use three different um, you know, yeast strains for these three main beers, okay. which is you know, it's awesome as far as having different styles and different tastes. But from a, a logistics standpoint, it's a giant pain in the ass because you got to keep different you got to keep these different yeast strains going sure. you got to mm-hmm. make sure that they're doing what they need to do you're juggling yeah they're juggling but that leads us to what christian was talking about with proper we're only doing this with three tanks at the time too okay three yeah. different yeast <laughs> strains three tanks like do the math yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> go down to the hardware store get another bucket we got i'm bringing in a six strain christian <laughs> we're getting 11 new fermenters it's gonna be great yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're on sale right now <laughs> turns out they're only two dollars at home depot yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> How do you guys propagate your own yeast? Do you have uh, you must have some kind of a stainless tank then uh, glass tank? I don't know. So currently we're we're pretty much going from a slant. So we bought a pitch of this yeast and we you know plated some yeast and kind of banked it. Okay. And then when we need to kind of get a fresh pitch, we'll start from a slant and kind of step up flask to flask. And nice. Really, what we found is what works easier is. We only have to go, we step up from, you know, a small flask to a slightly bigger flask to a couple bigger flasks, and then we go into a couple, like, 20-liter 20, 20 jerry cans, just plastic jerry cans. Okay. And that's usually enough to get a seven-barrel batch going. Got it. And the, then we'll the start vibe, trying to harvest yeah. from that batch and repitch as much as we can. But, okay. How many generations are you finding you're getting before you got to start that over again? It depends on the strain. Um, you know, what, what usually we run into is the fact that with our production schedule, we can't keep it going long enough to to get to that level because we're you know we're doing a different beer. Um, if we were you know if we were constantly doing Uncle Bob's you know just one after the other, we could probably keep that going for you know I don't know ten fifteen generations. I would think you know this doesn't this doesn't tend to drift too much. Although the the last you know where we're at right now, with I think we need to start from a new pitch. But um, hmm. you know what we found is that the the viability and the vitality of the yeast is really important. Um, maybe even more so than the, the pitching rate. Um, so we're probably tech, you know, we're probably technically under pitching as, you know, as far as that, you know, that cell count that everybody wants you to use. Um, but because, because this stuff is so rare and to go, it takes off, it attenuates we okay. can harvest it. You know, we don't really experience anything adverse like that. Yeah. But, um, not having any issues with it. Yeah. But I mean, we've, not- you know, we've, we've propped in, we use the, some of the smaller tanks. Like we had, the, we have like these one barrel conicals that we use to prop the yeast up. Okay. Um, but you know, yeah, we've gotten seven barrel batches going with you know, like Christian was saying. It is a big of, savings, isn't it? Uh, oh yeah. Uh, do you have a microscope where you can look at the viability and stuff? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you don't. You know what's 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 cool about that is you don't really need a lot of fancy equipment to do it. You just need some Pretty good basic. some yeah. good process and some good techniques, and people can do it at home. You and, know, if you've if you got the the 
desire. So what are you looking for? Basically looking for that viability under a microscope is a cell count, essentially, right? Or are you looking for misshapen cells or what am I looking for? Yeah, you, well, you want the you want the morphology to be good, which is the the shapes of the cells. You want them to be pretty uniform. Um, you know, you can test the you can test the viability with uh, a, a stain, basically okay. methylene blue or something like that. Um, but you know, we we tend to just kind of go with the results that we're getting. We, you know, when we see when we see things taken off, looking at pHs, looking at the you know how quickly it gets going, uh, attenuation rates, all that behaves kind of stuff. No, it, behaves yeah. normally. Yeah, exactly. I understand. Yeah. Are you guys in the beginning of the process? We did a lot of cell counting, and and you start to see repetition in patterns, and you kind of go with that, and you know, you know, you know, you're getting kind of the same growth, and then the numbers repeat. You you know, like you said, your attenuations, your times, your pHs. Okay. Got Are it. you guys using wort from a previous brew to uh, grow your pitches, or are yeah. you guys making your? Okay. No, we'll, we'll use it from you know whatever batch is coming up. So if I need, I need about five days. You know, to grow up the pitch of yeast. So whatever is planned out that five days, I'll use a wort from that batch. Got okay. it. So it's like making several beers before you get to the other beer, though. Basically propagating, right? You do yeah. it in one vessel, sure. then you give it some more wort, you put it into a larger starter, and you, you just keep stepping up, right? Yeah, yeah. You start with a, a very small flask. You'll start with like a maybe a 100-milliliter flask, and then you'll step up to like 250 to 500 to okay. a, a liter, and then you go up to, you know, 20, you know 10, 20 liters or whatever. Okay. Um. And but, you know, what's nice uh, about the way that we do it is we he can just, you know, Christian can just pull from, you know, if he's brewing a batch of IPA, he knows he needs this much. He can pull that into those flasks. Those flasks are sterilized and, you know, basically ready to go uh, from that batch. And then he starts the yeast and the next day you step it up. The next day we step it up again. We'll put it on a stir plate um, to keep it going, Mm -hmm. keep it aerated, uh, keep it moving. So how many strains are you using kind of on the regular now? You said you started out thinking you'd do a whole bunch, and sounded like maybe you, you pared it down. On the regular, we're probably still using three strains. Three, okay. Yeah. And then if you if you bring in some seasonal or just some recipe idea you guys have, you might do something different. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So we, a couple of the beers that we brought today, like unveiled, that we'll get to uses a different strain, and um, you know we we did a lager for the first time, so that's a different strain. But I think uh, you know we're. We're not afraid to bring in a, a different yeast and kind of experiment with it, which it really opens up the canvas a lot, I think, as far as, you know, being able to do different beers. Okay. And, but with your prop techniques, you could just go to the home brew supply store and get a vial. And, yep. yeah, and we do that. And you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. And then you know you're getting a pretty nice, healthy starting pitch. and well, Yeah, we'll, we'll order directly from, from White Labs, let's mm-hmm. say, and we'll get, you know, we can just get a couple... A couple of vials. If we really need to, we can get a full pitch. But uh, you know, being a cheap bastard, I like to get the uh, the homebrew vials and <laughs> do it ourselves. And just do it that way. Well, yeah. Paying mm-hmm. the price for being small, you might as well get some benefit of being small too. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. And just the hops in the bitter, real quick. I don't just in case listeners wanted to hear the rest of the recipe. There, what was in that? Uh, so we we pretty much we bitter every beer right now with Warrior. Okay. Um, just gives a nice clean bitterness. It's a, it's a good bittering hop. Um, and then some Fuggles and some EKG. Okay. Um, actually, no. Correct. Error. Uh, steering Goldings and EKG. Got it. We give a little small dry hop. Kind of. We look to mimic the cask condition. We always dry hop that beer on cask when we serve it on cask. Yeah, nice. we we found so. we would do we would do this on cask, and we'd go you know we'd go and drink the cask, and we'd be like, oh my god, this tastes so much better. Like, what is you know? 
part of it was the I mean part of it's the cask, but the the dry hop as well. Um, Just to clarify for anybody, that means dry hopping right in the vessel that you're going to be serving out of. So not correct. dry hopping some batch of beer and then moving it to casks. You dry up in the cask. That's what right. that's yeah. the way that we were. So the original Uncle Bob's had no dry hop in the fermentation in the tank. But if we if we happen to do a cask of it, we would dry hop in that cask. Got it. Um, so we decided to take some take some of that from the cask and actually dry hop the you know the full batch. Okay. Yeah, I see. And that's a that's a mix of um, uh, EKG and, and styrian. In Got the it. Dry hop. It's a smart way to do it. That's what changed my opinion about English beer was tasting actual beer dry hopped in the cask. It went ah, it's fresh. a world of difference. So it was all yeah. the difference in the world. It was so different. Um, okay. Uh, before we got to take a break, let's talk about the next one uh, in our glass. And now this one is a mild, right? We've gone from a bitter yes. to a mild. Yes. Uh, what should a mild be like, Steve? Uh, in my mind, a mild. You know, this is a so this is a dark mild. Um, there, you know, I guess technically there's you know sort of a couple of substats. You know, I don't I don't like to get too hung up on the specific style. For me, I want a mild to be malt focused. I want it to be uh, not too sweet mm-hmm. but i want nice i want some roastiness i want some toffee notes um over and above that i want something that's easy to drink though yeah I want something that's going to finish nicely that i can have a couple of pints of um this is about three and a half percent so it's a really really nice level for like a session beer um we got one of the best compliments i think we've had in a while when a guy from england was in the brewery last week who's a camera member he's his favorite style of beer is mild okay and he you know he came over and specifically told us he's like this is pretty damn good yeah um, and that's you know for me that's pretty high praise um on a, on a beer like this from an englishman that's the phrase you want right yeah. there they don't like anything <laughs> well it is, i like your description of of very malty and, and malt forward but without being sweet and i think that yeah. this one definitely hits that on the head it, it, there's not a lot of, of sweetness left behind um it's a really unsexy style of beer. Like, it's not, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie; like we had a hard time selling it. Okay, style, style isn't, but making a good one is, is sexy. This yeah, is yeah. Good. yeah, this is yeah. Good. It's, the malt character is really interesting. Yeah. The the even though it's on the lower side in terms of intensity, just but it's three and a half percent. There's but there's the toffee, malt. the chocolate, yeah. the roast. It's you really use, nice. Uh, use the frosted crystal malts like you do. Yeah, the exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- this uh, there's uh, we're using Marisada on this for the. Uh, for the base malt, there's some Crystal 45, a uh, little faucet chocolate, and a touch of faucet black. Mm. Okay. So it's still pretty simple, but that Maris Otter is what's probably coming through the most for us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It has the, yeah. So we, we, we switched to the, we actually were using Maris Otter and, and Uncle Bob's originally, but it, it was a little too biscuity, a little too nutty. Um, so the Golden Promise is a little bit cleaner, a little bit smoother. Mm-hmm. The, the, but the Maris Otter in this just, it, it just adds that nice dimension of, of that kind of nuttiness. That, yeah. It helps to build that build that malt character without being too too again too sweet. Yeah, you guys mentioned uh, to me before the show that you went over to Magnolia last night too, uh, who is also kind of our local English style brewer. Very happy about that. Yeah, he yeah. has his and and he's uh, uh, Dave McLean. Actually, you by the way, you look like a skinny Dave McLean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did they comp you over there? Yeah, I know they're like Dave. Yeah, you look yeah, Dave's here yeah, twenty years yeah. ago. Yeah. You're looking great, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Christian looks, out? looks no. like Dave. And um, anyhow, uh, he's just a, a, an enormous fan of, of Maris Otter, too, and uh, I think does a good job getting that to come out in his beers, uh, like he did here. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic malt. It's just, it you can add so much character to a beer with just you know just that change of 
like he was like Steve was talking about the Uncle Bob's, just the change from the Marisol to like going to the Golden Promise, you could see how much was taken out of that beer. It was necessary for the Uncle Bob's, but it really gave you a, a vision of you know what the difference was between the Maris and something like the Golden Promise. Yeah, it just excellent. has so much character on its own. It does. The, as a joke, Magnolia did a like a double mild at, <laughs> at GABF. Um, That's but awesome. The reason they did it was because they had found this local grower of Maris Otter. He, they were growing it and processing it, I think, all themselves. And he just loved it. So he wanted – he's like, well, let's try to make a beer that is now even more you know, Maris Otter. And they just, as the joke, called it a double mild. It was awesome. I mean, it really came through with all these flavors and even more of them, while, again, still not leaving you with, like, a sweet aftertaste, you know? Um, came out good. So I like what you're doing with this beer. And is this hopped pretty much the same as a, a bitter? This is hopped a very different. Uh, okay. Nine and a half ounces of Warrior hops in a seven-barrel batch. Wow. Done. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's, uh, that's nothing. There was nothing else. And no dry hop afterward either? Nope. This is all malt. I'm what really surprised about that. Simple. What are the gravities that you got, like, starting and finishing? I think this clocked in about 10.37 starting and finished at 10.12, 10.13. Yeah. Okay, nice. The, I think one of the keys, too, is the is, is the yeast choice. Um, for, so for this, the Timothy Taylor strain, I really like the balance that it leaves. It doesn't doesn't put out a ton of diacetyl. Um, it, it leaves the malt there, but it's not, again, it's like that rounded quality. The hops can shine through on, on the bitter a little bit. Uh, and that's a tough balance to get. I've, I've used some of the other English strains and just not had the same kind of results with them. Okay. So I think that helps. There's a, there's a, there's a bit of a fruitiness, almost like a stone fruit character mm-hmm. um, that that imparts. Um, but I just, I really like the way it finishes. Well, I can't argue. Uh, it's it's yeah. a very well-balanced yeah. beer. Marisada will leave you a lot of body, and that's what you can... Uh, you know, that's what really makes the beer. I think. Yeah, you need that. that. You need that on a three and a half percent beer too. Yeah. Again, yeah. if this thing, if this thing dried everything. out, yeah. forget okay, it. Yeah, yeah. It'd be too thin. If you were to serve this on cask, would you dry hop the cask, or would you just leave it like that on cask too? Probably just leave it as is. I mean, yeah. we we've done a cask of it, and it okay. was yeah, no dry hop. It was great it was, as is. Got Fantastic. It. Okay. Did oh, the camera guy it. know that it wasn't actually cask conditioned when he complimented it, or was he drinking from the cask? We didn't mention that. No, he he drank it from a bottle. He he drank it from a bottle, so he knew. Wow, um, yeah. nice. All right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a break, and uh, Beardy's alluding there too. Uh, you guys were on a, a show as well, a beer show, right? I watched some of it. Oh, you actually watched. <laughs> All right, I did. Uh, I mean, I watched what I could. You watched what you, <laughs> what you, you watched what you could tolerate. Worst fucking host I have ever seen on yes. the planet. I thought BYOB was fine. <laughs> I thought we did all right. I mean, no offense if he became your friend or something, but ah, oh no, no, the guy was He's my brother-in-law. Just yeah. awful. I, the, the stories I could tell you about what went on behind the scenes of this thing. I'll just say this: the show was supposed to be an hour. Okay. And mysteriously, the week before it went on the air. It, Got changed to a half an hour. Wow. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. I want to hear. We're going to talk about that when we come back. So we're going to take a, a quick break. We're talking to Riverwalk Brewing Company here today, and we're having fun doing so, tasting some great beer. If you've got questions, triple eight four zero one beer, or hit the chat button on the homepage, and uh, we'll be back in just a couple minutes. It's the session. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network.
limited time only. Enter promo code BNARMY during January and February for 10% off any Monster Mill. Don't settle for the second best grain mill. You want a Monster Mill from Monster Brewing Hardware. Monster Mills are tough, come in two and three roller designs, and are made right here in the USA from superior materials for longer-lasting performance. Pick the mill that's right for you at MonsterBrewingHardware.com and take Bevo's advice. Trust me, it's always better to have a bigger tool than you think you need. (laughs) Monster Mills have the best warranty in the business. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Visit MonsterBrewingHardware.com now and check out all the mills and mill accessories. Remember, during January and February, for 10% off any mill, enter promo code BNARMY. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Hey, Wooly, I'm beat. Can we find a nice tree to just hang out in for a while? You're beat? I've been swinging through this forest for 50 years, ever since we... Ever since we first escaped from the circus. I know, I know, but there's got to be more to life than exploring this creek and trying to populate the valley by copulating with loose, hairy girls. Mark, we stop. Look! What is that? It looks like a man-made treehouse. With fresh food. And craft beer. Welcome to the Creek Monkey Tap House, boys. Grab a seat. Creek Monkeys drink free. <laughs> awesome! The Creek Monkey Tap House in Martinez, California, takes their mission of fresh food and beer seriously. They only serve locally raised beef and chicken, as well as local sustainable produce. It's better for you and the planet, and it just tastes better. The beer and wine at Creek Monkey Tap House are chosen with the same care for the highest quality and road frequently to make each visit an adventure. Swing on into the Creek Monkey Tap House and enjoy a new legend of amazing food, beer, and wine. The Creek Monkey Tap House, online at creekmonkey.com. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite. Elite Bare Bones Club, where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit. NicoBrew.com. N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W. Nico Brew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Brewcasters are back. 
Welcome back to the program. Thank you for sticking with us. Hey, did I let you know about Beersmith Brewing Software yet? I don't think I did. Go to Beersmith.com and check it out. You get a free 21-day trial. It helps you do all your recipes and everything else you need to do. Uh, In fact, I used it on my last brew day, which, uh, contrary to popular belief, was only a couple weeks ago. And uh, we all use Beersmith Brewing Software around here. It's available on uh, PC and Mac. It's a great piece of brewing software. You can also find podcasts over there at Beersmith.com and uh, new brewing DVDs. They did their first one uh, with John Palmer, How to Brew All Grain. Uh, So I'm sure it's a great uh, DVD. Go check it out over at Beersmith.com. All right. So... We left you before the break talking about uh, a television show that you was it just you that did it, Steve? Uh, yeah, this was actually before I started the brewery when I was still in planning, trying to get the brewery started, trying to figure out how to do it. And a friend of mine let me know that someone, you know, somebody was looking for home brewers in the Boston area to be on this show that was going to be on the History Channel. It's called History on Tap. History on Tapped, and I actually what, when was this? This was in way back in 2010. Okay. okay. Um. And uh, I ended up on this show with a friend of mine that I had been brewing with at the time because they were looking for teams. Um, I, I would imagine most people missed it because it was only aired once. One uh, episode. <laughs> at noon the day after Christmas. Uh, <laughs> noon. Wow. 2010. And, and huh. as, as I may have mentioned, originally slated to be an hour, mysteriously cut down to a half an hour. <laughs> Shortly before the airtime, um, and let me see if I can just summarize the concept really quick. What, from from what I was able to watch, um, I, my, I I summarize it as the the concept was that they would bring back historical types of beer and maybe historical ingredients and have home brewers compete against each other brewing whatever uh, historical beer they wanted produced. Yeah, I mean, I, I would almost say it's uh, similar to like a, a top shelf kind of show where you have a couple of teams and you have a challenge and you have to use special ingredients. Ingredients, but the the whole thing was historically based. So it was, you know, for us, our st- our challenge was to brew a, uh, a style of beer the Pilgrims might have drank, okay, but to make it palatable to a modern audience. So so not a style right. of beer that Pilgrims would have <laughs> the opposite. So, so pretty much, yeah, <laughs> and not nothing. a style modern day drinkers would drink either. It, it, yeah, pretty much would appeal to nobody. Yeah, uh, I love by the time treacle. We were done. <laughs> Treacle's my favorite. Yeah, oxidized uh, treacle beer. So, what was your experience on the on the show? Did you well, enjoy it? Um, I, I'm. I can definitely report that reality TV is not real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know shocker for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, I, I think the experience was really positive um, in the end. Doing the show was was challenging because they, you know, they've got they've got a show to build. They want to build the drama and they want to set these things up and they want to pit you against other brewers and like they have this whole sort of agenda. And we just want to brew a good beer. Yeah. You know. And so we're we're trying to we're trying to like jump through their hoops, but also like brew a beer that we you know. Can, can be proud of. Um, so anyway, we, we ended up winning the competition. They had um, a, a panel of expert judges, and then the public got to vote on the winner. Uh, Garrett Oliver was one of the expert judges. Um, but for whatever reason, um, which doesn't mean show up on the show, the, the judges just ripped our beer apart oh so and i don't know if this was just they were told to yeah i, I, I told my judges to do it on our show all the there time you go. what pissed me off is they wouldn't do it a bunch of pussies and i was like come on rip this beer up a little bit you gotta crack the whip uh, uh, maybe, they were all homebrewers this is why uh beer tv shows don't work because maybe just brewers aren't inherently a very dramatic subset exactly and you can't get them to 
you know, behave. Yeah. We had one one th- guy on our show that would do it. Matt Peterson. He was great. He <laughs> went he around. Everything. He went around because me- he knew that's what I wanted too. He went around messing with everybody. And he it didn't was, need any encouragement from uh, you. Yeah, you might want to talk to Christian after the show. I don't know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so, uh, so tell me about some of the behind the yeah. scenes with this guy because you kind of laugh when I mentioned the host. The host. I don't even know where his accent is from. He's, he's like he's, Irish, Australian, English, or something, or he doesn't have an he's accent. Faking it. Yeah, that's I a, think it's the ascot choking him. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it, yeah. He he did. He wore the ascot. It was about ninety degrees. He wore the ascot continuously. He, he they, they he's they, committed. They brought him to my house at one point. He sweat. He sweated through like three shirts in like the, in like the hour that he. They was had at my backups. House. Yeah. Like, okay. Oh, they swap a shirt out. They knew. Yeah, yeah. They had. They had. They had a whole like wardrobe team wardrobe. there. Wow. <laughs> wow. But he. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was. Oh man. Like, <laughs> they literally the the finale of the show. They ended up putting an earpiece in this guy's ear and just feeding him each line because he couldn't – he just couldn't do it. And because he couldn't ad-lib or because he was drunk? Y- yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because he could – you know, he could – look, it, it wasn't that difficult. I mean, you know, it was – this guy's got this beer. This guy's – what do you think? What do you, what do you want to do? But it took forever. Like oh, we were yeah. We were stuck in, in this little they, – they kept us like hidden in this little room at Harpoon before the judging. And we, we were there for hours and we can't figure it out. And then eventually, you know, they lead us up and we figure it out because the guy's got to do a line. Somebody's got to tell it to him. Got to stand there. Yeah. Do it again. Um, but, you know, our surprise at winning this thing was 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 real. That was like one real moment in the okay. show because yeah. the judges ripped us apart, but the people really liked the beer. They voted nice. for it. Yeah. Um, and for me, the best part was that we got to brew our winning beer at Harpoon. Uh, you know, in a way, they sort of took one of their base recipes and we were able to modify it. But... I get to, you know, I get to see how that whole setup worked and sure. you know, that that process really gave me the confidence cuz I could see, okay, this is a big successful commercial brewery. This is how they're doing things and they're letting me come in and pick a yeast strain and talk about how we want to, you know, I want to do this. I want to add this ingredient in this place, you know, where do you, where how do you want to ferment it? Um, and I could see them doing it and, you know, even though I realized there was a lot more going into it than that, it it made me think that, you know what, this is not you know, this is not that different than homebrewing in some okay. ways. Okay, yeah, because it's the same basic process, and so, you know, if if these guys can do it, I can do it. Yeah, I guess. Um, well, and, that's a good experience, then. and they were great. And Harpoon was was really really excellent to work with through this. Yeah, um, and as you know, how long did it take to shoot one episode? Like day uh, days weeks? Um, it was it was a process of probably two to three weeks um, yeah. because we had I think we had three or four days of actual shooting that we had to brew and ferment and, ferment and all that stuff. It was um, BYOB. What yeah. year did we do BYOB? I don't know. 2011. Ah, so maybe we stole it from then then. Yeah, maybe. That sounds about right. <laughs> well, like, I wonder why everything we did looked familiar. It. That, yeah, uh, that's assuming that anybody saw the show to right. steal it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the guy. Just the guy. But did they make their he own was, deal? Oh, that's the question. <laughs> they, they didn't, I'm sure. How, does, sucks. how does somebody that sucks that bad get a national TV hosting gig? It looked like he that's was like everybody a... everybody working on this was He looked wondering. real was good wondering. in his ascot. He had a friend, I'm he, sure of it. So he was like a famous chef, it seemed like, or maybe, he, yeah. or, you oh. know, quote-unquote famous chef in some, in some way, shape, or form. Probably had somebody who liked, you know, this idea... That maybe he had, or, or somebody fed him, and uh, I don't know. It's just somebody if, makes a bad decision, yeah, and then, and then they don't back chef. out. If he was a famous chef, you probably had an agent, and the yeah. agent probably talked their way into this thing and be like, "Look, it's going to be a perfect platform platform for him. We'll do some deals." But the yeah. problem is that yeah. if someone should have backed out on it. Someone should have gone, and I don't even mean the show. Yeah. I mean, someone should have gone. 
You know what? This concept might work, but we gotta we gotta lose about the guy. Exactly. About halfway through, I was gonna volunteer. I was like, "Look, <laughs> do a better job." I, I think I could do this. Better. Yeah, well, there's no reason you can't. I mean, d- d- he can sear a scallop, therefore he can host a TV show. It doesn't. What, you're in the financial industry, therefore you can host a TV show. It's all the same argument. It's all the same. Why not? <laughs> so yeah, but he, I, I think can I, people still download it or? It's, it's right. not available online. Well, it's that's why that's why I had to send it to you guys. I was I, I don't think it, I don't it, for, for all intents and purposes I don't think it exists. I've tried to find it. It doesn't exist. <laughs> history that guy, history has already burned the, all of the copies. Not yeah. just history child. I wonder if the dude saw it and was like, "Man, I do suck. <laughs> <laughs> I got to pull that off, or I'll never get a gig." It's again. ironic when a history show erases all yes, history of the show. Deeply ironic. So you know that the, the the best part of this is that. When when I finally saw this final show air, yeah. you know, I was thinking, I was like, "Wow, he really comes across pretty well in this okay. compared to what he was like in person." Oh, really? I was like, I was like "He's this this." That's how bad it was. <laughs> okay, yeah. So. I mean, he's he's like talking with his hands, but for no reason. Oh, you know, yeah. like there are like oh. places where he would go, and so right now we're in the fermentation room, <laughs> and, he's, and he's throwing Spare his fingers. hands out yeah. at your. Yeah, oh, it wow. makes, there's no reference to the fermentation room when you're just throwing your fingers at the camera, right? And and the and he's really loud, and the accent that doesn't exist in 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 accents. It's huh. not an accent. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's a historical accent. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you yeah. don't know. It was a pilgrim accent, I right. think. Yes. Maybe. I, if, if the show had gone on, he would have changed it to whatever the beer style was every <laughs> every episode. And, and pilgrims were notorious it. hand talkers also. <laughs> so that was really yeah. Yeah. Maybe throwback. I'm the idiot, and yeah. he had it all right. I do. I love the hands thing, because you know what happened, where he was he was super wooden and, like, stiff, and some, some producer was <laughs> yeah. like, you got hey, man, it. loosen yeah. up, use you, your hands a little bit, and he just went completely in the other direction. <laughs> right. I love it. I'm pretty sure he has the same accent as that family that grows up in the woods in Alaska. Yeah. (laughs) I think that might be where it's from. The backwoods accent. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's so weird. It was weird. It was was fun for me to watch, though. (laughs) Well, I figured you would get some entertainment out of it one way or another. Yeah, no, thank you for for sending it. I I appreciate that. How how big were your expectations? Like, when you guys wrapped, were you thinking, man, this might air on History Channel. I'm going to get some national exposure. Maybe I'll start a brewery. How far ahead were you thinking? Oh, absolutely. Like, we were were really jazzed, like, when we won the thing. And they, you know, they pumped us up. And, you know, Harpoon, I think, had big expectations of it, too, because they're, you know, they're basically doing this for publicity. And I think they... You know, the part of the idea was that we were going to brew this beer and this was going to be on this is going to be for sale. And like we're going to kind of brand this thing. And like they thought this was going to because this was the pilot for the show. They thought it was going to take off maybe like um, I don't like the the Sam Calgione show. Yeah, they thought it renewed for six total episodes. (laughs) Yeah, beer shows don't really have a good track record. But, you know, um, so. So yeah, I thought I thought this was going to be a lot bigger than it was. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I was I wasn't disappointed necessarily, but yeah. you could see it start to happen. Like once you saw the show, and then once we saw like okay, Harpoon's backing down their expectations. I and, see. Yeah, you know, it, it, it all it all kind of shifted. So it's you know, it was a great experience. Oh, good. Um, all right, let's talk about the beer that's in our glass. Now we have a Belgian pale ale. Um, so tell us about this beer. I'm going to swing this to Christian because this is his creation. Got it. So. Belgian pale ale, I think I use the style loosely. I don't really know what to call this. Uh, this beer actually derived from making a beer for uh, my cousin's wedding. Um, so we came up came up with a beer. It was kind of a long road, kind of long process of he's a chef. 
So he threw a lot of ingredients at me. Okay. To say, I want this and this and this. And it was kind you, of. You threw a lot of middle fingers back at him. <laughs> yeah, basically like, okay, let's cut this and this and this out and simplify this thing a little bit. Um, How did he have time to do this in between hosting television shows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, once you take off the ascot, the energy level. <laughs> he was really sweating was, a yeah, lot. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it started out as one thing and kind of morphed into this. So really the the. The crux of this beer is is pink peppercorns and hibiscus flowers. Um, that is kind of the special addition to it. Okay. Aside from that, it's a super simple beer. Um, this, again, is some golden promise, a uh, touch of gar- carapils, and um, kind of a, a different yeast strain that we found with a little help and guidance from Steve. Uh, we went with, uh, I think this is Y-East 3942. It's their Belgian wheat. Um, which I think is derived from the Didol, uh yeast strain, which is it's it's really nice. It's got a nice kind of tart finish to it, um, but very clean. Okay. Different ester, different ester profile than some of the Belgian yeasts will have. There's no there's none of that cloviness or anything like that. Which is a good choice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the aroma is just awesome. The first thing that catches your my palate right there when I brought it up to my nose. Yep. Um, I thought. Uh, I like that you said hibiscus. It, it had a, it almost has a little bit of like a gingerbread taste to it, but I knew it wasn't like ginger, and I knew it wasn't any like nutmeg and things like that. But something that makes it nice, like a soft, a very subtle gingerbread flavor comes together. Yeah, there's a very subtle spice that comes from the pink peppercorn. Um, they're actually it's a little bit of a misnomer because they're they're technically a dried fruit, but they do give off this this unique spiciness. Um, so I think that in combination, the hibiscus can be a little bit sweet. Mm-hmm. Pep- the peppercorns have this like touch of spiciness, and that yeast strain as well. You get the tartness in there, which kind of it all works together. I think to balance it out nicely. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the important thing about this too is you know we're talking about hibiscus, pink peppercorn. These are kind of you know odd ingredients for beer, but it doesn't overwhelm the beer. No, the beer, the beer. It's it's delicate. It's light. It the beer is still there, and all this sort of just uh, helps to you know kind of enhance that. And that's you know if we're going to be using a spice or some kind of unconventional ingredient, it's got to do that. The beer still got to be there. It can't be a yeah a, a punch in the face with the spice. And am I crazy, or is there a little tint of, of pink or red or something? Like, it's uh, not it just... definitely is. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. I didn't know if it was the lighting in here or what. The but... color is very unique. There's, yeah, because uh, yeah. it's, it's certainly not pink, right. nor is it just amber. It's kind of both. Yep. That's cool. In a seven-barrel batch, there's, I think, four pounds of hibiscus flowers. Okay. So yeah, dried, really, dried hibiscus yeah. flower weed. It really changes the color. Yeah. It's a cool color. And there's no crystal malt, yeah. just the... no crystal, uh-huh. just carapils and golden promise. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. What's the ABV on this? That is on this batch. I dried it out a little bit more, so I think this is pushing like six percent. Okay, it's a great beer. Very nice. Yeah, fantastic. yeah. I like the peppercorns. Very refreshing, easy to drink. But, yeah, but still complex. Yeah. Does it all go in the kettle? The the peppercorns and the hibiscus? yeah. I, yeah. I add those all in at the whirlpool. Okay. And, uh, they stay in the kettle for the duration of knockout. And did you experiment with it with several homebrew batches before nailing down the quantity? Or I did one. You, you got it right. Yeah, I did. I did one. I did a five gallon batch with some extract. Okay. Purely, I was just really looking to see how the hibiscus and the peppercorns were going to kind of react. What they were going to give me. My biggest fear was extracting a bunch of tannins from the hibiscus. Um, so I did. Yeah, I did one homebrew batch and. You know, then we did yeah, then, then a two barrel batch after that, right? Yep. Oh, okay, a two yeah. barrel yeah. batch we did just for the wedding. 
And after that, we decided to go, you know, step it up and do a bigger batch and continue continue to do it. I would think this would be a popular beer for you guys. It's, yeah. it's pretty popular now, and it's been gaining popularity every time we do it. What's uh, it called again? Sorry. Unveiled. Unveiled. Okay. How did the hibiscus behave in the whirlpool? Did it settle down to the bottom, or was it still floating on top? Uh, it's, I bag it. Oh, you okay. Yeah, I bag it. Both Just the pepper tea bags. Both the pepper ones, yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Basically giant tea bags. Okay. Yep. And the peppercorns are whole? They're whole, but the, the pink peppercorns are very soft. So mm. I bag them, and then I, I basically just crush them up in my hands. I rub the, rub the bags and crush the peppercorns up in my hands in the bags to kind of expose everything. And hibiscus flowers are just like I, I get cut and sifted dried flowers. Wait, you leave it in there the whole time. It's just in a bag. That way it all It's just in together. a bag. I drop them in the kettle. Okay. A lot of times I'll just tie them off so don't, one doesn't happen to, you know, Fall on the outlet and stop my whole knockout. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They could they could clog things <laughs> right, up. Yeah, yeah they wrangling. sucked over to the outlet. Yeah, yeah. Now you mentioned that uh, you had a uh, early in the early days you uh, concentrated on a, uh, a repeatable production type process. Is that did you find that that actually did scale up the way you, that you'd like? Uh, it, it did actually. Very fortunately, it did mm-hmm. um, because when we when we switched over from our two barrel system to our seven barrel system, we had basically no window of time. Uh, we were coming up on Memorial Day. We had a big beer festival coming up, so the first batches that came out of that had to be good. They had to be right on, mm-hmm. and you know. Fortunately, because of all that work we had done and keeping everything repeatable and just getting that stuff nailed down, it worked. You know, we've had to make a couple little adjustments, but I, you know, I think we were all just pretty, pretty blown away by how those first, you know, bigger batches compared to the earlier batches. Great. Are you poured a pilsner in our glass now? And I'm surprised, actually, at at your size uh, scale that that you guys do a pilsner, uh, just taking up equipment that. Is scarce, right? I'm surprised as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this was this was honestly kind of a challenge for us. It was something that we said, you know what? We've, you know, Pilsner is one of my favorite styles. It's like the the first beer I I really drank. I drank uh, Pilsner in the Czech Republic when I was like 15. Okay. So that got me started on the path, and it was like, you know what? Let's we've got it. We we just got some extra. Well, not extra. We got some new tanks at the beginning of um, this year, and they weren't all being utilized, and we had a little bit of space and we said let's give it a shot let's try it um and and, and see how it goes so this is our first lager our first pills i've i mean i've done some on a homebrew scale but okay um it's you know kind of a challenge to ourselves in a way tell us about it it's all about the malt in in, in this well i guess pilsner also has to have some great uh, hop character as well but yeah it's got some it's got to have some good hop character um this is pretty we tried to go uh pretty straightforward but you know, also knowing that the water is going to have a big em- impact on this beer. So we we were, you know, it's kind of, to me, it kind of falls in between a Czech style and a German style. It's a little bit drier than a Czech style, but it's uh, very simple. There's just, it's a German Pilsner malt and, uh, again, a touch of Carapils on this. Okay. Um, Saz hops all the way through. Good and, choice. Yeah, I think it's an excellent choice. It's, it just... It's a little Beautiful honey in the, in the nose. I yeah. Just, is, yeah. That, is that the malt or the yeah. sauce? The malt. That's the, that's the, the malt, malt, and yeah. I think it's also a, a, the way that that, that yeast um, kind of expresses itself sometimes with, with the malt. Okay. Um, it's, very, it's very clean, but you'll, you'll get some of that. Um, the, we're, we're pretty fortunate to have the water that we have because it is, it's pretty close to pills and water in a yeah. lot of ways. I mean, it's got, it's got slightly elevated mineral levels from that, but it's, it's like a blank slate. 
Um, so we can we can add what we need to add. And for this beer, we added very very little, sure. you know, as far as as far as minerals go. Um, so one of the things that I learned early on when I was home brewing was, hey, my you know my my pale beers are coming out great. My you know I could I could do a pilsner, but I would try and brew stouts anything dark, and it was not working and that's how i learned about water chemistry yeah. it's like okay. oh like my ph is all off i don't have enough minerals you know mm-hmm. so um you know we're in a good area for that though got it which makes it easier what what style of yeast did you guys use more towards the czech bohemian style or german uh this is more towards the german this is actually the uh kind of 3470 wine stefana okay it's mm-hmm. another good beer the only com- – I have nothing but good comments about all these beers. This one is a little undercarbonated for my taste for a Pilsner. But I don't care because the rest of it tastes so good. It, do- it doesn't even matter really. Some of that, yeah, some of that might just be from the, the way we bottle this. Bottle. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, coming, gonna- coming out of solution there, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, this is – you guys did a good job on your first lager. Well done. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, this would, I think, be another big seller for you come the summertime and – uh, <laughs> we'll see. We have to it, make more of it <laughs> for it to sell. But yeah. It lasts, yeah. Um, yeah, great beer. What minerals did you add to your water? You said you had just a little bit. Uh, uh, really just a pinch of calcium chloride. I really just – all I wanted was the calcium levels up to – you know, I wanted to make sure this – we don't filter anything, so I wanted to make sure this beer really dropped clear. Mm-hmm. So to make sure that yeast flocculated out well, and I just want – the only goal was to get that – just enough to get the calcium levels to, you know, where I needed it for that. And no other additions. Okay, you got a really nice clarity. Where do, do you use finings? How did you get it clear? Uh, we do use we do use uh, we use some kettle finings. We use like a whirl flock in the kettle um, on everything, and then we use in the fermenters we use some biofine. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. We're able to get yeah we're able to get most of our beers pretty darn clear with the with the biofine. I mean yeah. this is you know mm-hmm. this was lagering for a while too, so that helps to drop stuff out. But you know you look at. Any of the other stuff that we poured, um, you know, Uncle Bob's unveiled, uh, and it, it gets pretty clear. So yeah, yeah we're happy. And you with get that. the calcium up to help, to help that, right? Well. Yeah, calcium yeah, and helps that, and too. That helps. Yeah, you, and get, you use a calcium chloride or sulfate or combination calcium or chloride. Chloride in this beer. Yeah, we'll we'll build water profiles for for all the beers that we're brewing though. So we'll add, uh, you know, sulfate, chloride, uh, carbonate, depending That's on what you're, what you're making. Yeah, depending on what we're making. Sure, I'm liking it. It's a good beer, and you chose Saz hops. I asked Dan Gordon a, a, a while back uh, of Gordon Beer Share. Hey, what uh, what noble hops do you put in a pilsner? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> and now you know what they are, right? <laughs> yeah, now, yeah, maybe. the game from last week, <laughs> maybe. Uh, and <laughs> and what he does actually new game. Will you know it next time? <laughs> yeah, will he, exactly. Does, does, last week. does Justin still not know? <laughs> <laughs> we can learn a fucking you, yeah, right. you play can, that game yeah. again. I mean, clearly that's the point of the game. You could definitely reuse questions. The same question. <laughs> Yeah. It should be the same game for three times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> now, he was kind of messing with me, but he was also serious. He literally uses all of them at every part of the boil in his Pilsner. Uh, and and uh, that's just – it's not really a trick. He just – he likes all of them. So I don't know if it's equal parts or not. I'm not sure about that. But he literally uses every Noble Hop, I think, for three different additions. You can't – I mean, you can't go wrong with most of those in, in that style of beer. They're, I mean, they're – you know, there's differences, but they're, they're fairly similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, you know, I've brewed a, a pills on a homebrew scale with all tetanang, and I really like that. Um, so okay. yeah. I'd be happy to incorporate that at some point as well. But, um, yeah. you know, I think I think if you look at the similarities between Noble Hops, they're, they're, they're pretty close in a lot sure. of ways. Now, they certainly work together well. And, and Saz, to me, is the rock star of all of them. So good choice. Oh, agreed. Yeah. All right. We're going to try another one, I think, before uh, the show's out too, right? What, what's our next beer? 
Uh, let's see. The uh, the farmhouse here. The uh, Nomad. Ah, oh, there we go. Well, now that's an interesting jump in style. We've gone we've gone English and and kind of you know traditional English and, and little Pilsner now and and now you're going a little on the wild side. Yeah. So um, the the Nomad's one of our year round beers. That's one of the first beers we started brewing. Uh, Nomad is an interesting beer because it is the probably the most um, the most finicky beer that we brew. We use a blend of Belgian yeasts on this one. Um, they don't always cooperate with what we want to do sometimes the you know the levels of the different yeast strains will change a little bit um we we've you know we do make some adjustments to this so we let we let this one have a little bit more latitude and you know some people actually like that that there's a little bit of variation with it that does get it a little you know uh, a little bit more on the wild side i mean there's no there's no bread or anything there's no funky you know uh, bacteria in there but um it's you know this beer is really kind of a, an amalgamation of like you know Belgian yeasts, uh, American hops. Okay. Um, there's a touch of coriander in there, um, but finishes nice and dry. Uh, there's spiciness. There's some citrus fruit. Again, we you know we're, we're not fans of the huge like clove uh, notes that you get from some of those Belgian yeast strains, so you don't get that so much. And you um, blended the yeast yourself. It was your blend. Your uh, no, no. This no. is actually uh, this is a White Labs blend. Okay. Um, some it's the it's the 568, which is a saison blend. Got it. Okay. Um, but we'll we will prop that up ourselves, and we'll you know we'll see some changes to it as we go through. You know, sure. Generation. Just name sure. it Fickle Bitch. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> this is an odd uh, mix of uh, dry, but with, there's still some sweetness there. So this thing finishes the final gravity on this. Well, like oh 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 six six something like yeah. that. So it finishes pretty darn dry, but it leaves there's still. There's still something there. It's not like bone dry. Yeah. What are this? What What's the citrus fruit? That's not coming from the hops. You actually put some citrus. No, nope, that's in there? that's that's a hop note. It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We we originally used uh, amarillo on this. Um, uh, we're we're using Cascade on it now. Okay. Mostly because uh, we can't get amarillo. So. Yeah. Um, Did that change it a lot? It changed it a little bit, okay. um, but a lot of the you know a lot of the character comes from the yeast anyway. So Phenol, the phenols are adding a lot of character to the beer. Yes. Yes. What about the temperature of this fermentation? What's your guys' philosophy on that? Again, there's we let it. We kind of play with this beer a little bit. Okay. Well, this is you know we kind of like to experiment temperature wise on this beer. Uh, in general, we'll start this you know fermentation around seventy two, a um, little high. We like a lot of that character from it, but not you know not out of control early on in the fermentation, and then we kind of play around with how far we let it ride got it so yeah. we'll let it free rise to a certain point and that that we kind of change from time to time just to see you know what kind of different character it puts off so and in, in general we'll we'll keep it at 72 for a couple of days and then kind of shut the jackets off or you know set the temperatures to like 80 and kind of let it free rise just and, let it go yeah let it go yeah i think that's something actually i should say across the board with most of our beers um we're finishing up fermentation at probably a much higher temperature than most people would uh, recommend, uh, at least for initial fermentation. So unlike, I don't know if we're going to get to it, but our, our IPAs and some of the stuff that we use, you know, like a more straight-up American ale yeast on, those things will finish out up at like 75 degrees um, for the you know latter third wow. fermentation maybe. And, you know, I started doing this earlier on because I really feel like it helps clean up the beer. It fin- you know, it's going to attenuate 
don't have to worry about any diacetyl issues and it's just you know i have no scientific <laughs> backing for this statement but, <laughs> but i feel sensory like you have yeah, yeah but i feel like but i feel like the metabolism of the yeast too is just sort of natural as that's, it gets going it's, it's it wants to warm up it's you know it's a it's a healthier way for it to kind of go through that mm-hmm. that that process and I, I really feel that it that's part of what gives our beer uh the, the clean finish that it has okay yeah now, Tasty, we've talked about that, of course. That's something I learned from you and Chad. I think Chad had started to do it on my homebrew equipment at home where, yes, control it for the first couple of days, keep it down right. uh, with some of our pale ales and stuff at, like, 66. But then literally after two days, sometimes three, just – Yeah, about 36 yeah. hours usually we'll start letting it go. Yeah, you're halfway to, the, to terminal by then. Okay. Maybe yep. three-fourths of the way, actually. And, and what little bit of uh, – what higher flavors you might get from a warmer ferment are outweighed by the the clean ferment that you've already done. Right. Yeah, I think. That's- and you get that added benefit of, of better attenuation. And attenuation, to me, is a flavor. Okay. Yes. Something you can like rest on and 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 uh, enjoy. Okay. If I remember right, and usually I don't, but I think Jamil was saying that it's that propagation phase, that first couple of days of, of your ferment that all the off flavors would right. come from if you didn't control your temperature. Yeah, it's during that kind of growth phase. Growth know. phase, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so that after that, he said, I don't really worry about it. They're done growing. They don't seem to put out the— Yeah, let it go. The Okay, yeah. And then I just, I'm just kind of hammering the point home yeah. for, for brewers, too. I like what, you, what you're mentioning because the reason you're letting it go is because then it just it seems happier about cleaning up some of the other uh, byproducts, Yeah, right? you're not constraining it, and especially, you know, when if you— with, with like the Belgian yeast strains, it's even more evident. But if you if you try and knock the temp down at the wrong time towards the end of fermentation, <laughs> yeah. man, you just shoot yourself in the foot because that thing will not finish out. It won't attenuate. It'll crawl to a to a, a halt. You know, just let trust it. Let it go. Let yeah. it you know. Let it do its thing. Let it be happy. Um, and I think you're gonna you know we found we get good results doing that. That's another good point. I've I've made that mistake where I started following this philosophy, go ahead and let the temperature rise. But then still I thought, well, since I let the temperature rise, it probably got things done faster and I crashed it a little too soon. And that's not a good philosophy either, right? <laughs> yeah. The impatient home brewer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. Let All it rise, time. but let it still the same schedule is fine. Let it sit there then and do its work. Yeah, just right? let it finish out, do its thing. Yeah. Let it rise, but let it fall equally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just like children. Yeah. <laughs> Let them fall. Learn what it's like to be hurt. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one's another uh, great example. This is a good beer. And uh, how do you put the coriander in there? Because that's a tough one to work with, isn't, isn't it? That goes in uh, in the whirlpool, and, and we, we bag that up as well. You do. Um, yeah. And, you know, I... I Again, I think you, you wouldn't necessarily pick out like a huge coriander flavor from this if you didn't know nope. it was there. Nope. It just supports what's already there. It supports the the yeast, um, the hops, all that other stuff. It's just kind of another note. I feel um, like it's very yeast driven. Absolutely, um, I think that, that Chris White would like to taste this, uh, taste his blend at work in it, because that's why he does the blends, right? Maybe so, he'll tell me what's actually in uh, the blend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, not now that he knows you propagate yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. I should have yeah. kept buying this. This is where those vials come in key. Yeah. We'll, yeah, for this beer, not knowing the blend, we'll at this point we'll just buy two homebrew vials and pitch each one of them to about ten liters of work. And make a starter that way, and, and go from there. Okay, yeah. Have you tasted the, the steps to see how the blend changes, if if at all? We'll we'll smell them. Um, we, oh, you know, yeah. We we don't tend to taste them because we you know we need most of that stuff to sure. to keep propagating. But yeah. 
I, you can smell a little bit of a change, I think, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because as the yeasts that are blended might grow at different rates, it might change. I've looked at, so I've, I've looked at the blend under a microscope to try mm-hmm. and figure it out. And you can, I, I, I think there's, there's a, there's like a 70, 30 ratio, something like that. And if I, if I had the time and the, the inclination, I could probably pull out each of those strains individually and figure, you know, kind of figure out what they are. But you know what? It just it works as is. Sure, just get the stuff and and, and brew with it. You know. Did you uh, say what the uh, ABV on this is? It's about seven and a half. Yeah, it's well hidden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It starts at about ten sixty six. Finishes at oh six. Keep it on tap at the house. Yeah, we, <laughs> we'll do a, we'll do events with this, and this um, this goes over well with the ladies sometimes. Yeah, I uh, bet. but they'll have a couple of these and then stand up and not realize that they've been drinking a stuff and a half. <laughs> it doesn't go over well. Yes. A few questions came in from the chat for you guys before we run out of time. If you don't uh, mind, um, while you're reading these, Jay, I'm going to pass around the last one we're going to do here, which is uh, a barrel aged creation. Okay, let me uh, make some room for you. What uh, what is this guy? Just real quick. Yeah, this so this beer is um, this version of this is actually called Rare Trousers, um, which is uh, a barrel aged version of Flannel Trousers. Flannel Trousers is an English style old ale, um, which is uh, it's a the Flannel Trousers reference is another Uncle Bob tribute. Uh, he's a fan of the. Of that particular type of uh, leg wear, but um, <laughs> <laughs> who isn't? Let's be honest. For you know, jeez, it's, <laughs> it's 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 comfy. I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, so this is actually aged in an Eagle Rare bourbon barrel, uh, hence the name Rare Trousers. And we um, we only got one of these barrels, and we you know we filled it up and we aged it. And oh. um, you had me at Eagle Rare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For how long did you age? Uh, this was aged, I believe. Four to five months in the barrel, and then another uh, five or six months cold conditioning. Nice. So again, when we when we barrel age stuff, we're looking for the barrel to add and enhance the beer, not overwhelm the beer. Um, so we don't want it to taste like you just dumped a shot of bourbon in here. We don't want it to be too boozy. And um, you know, most most of what we do, if you know, we, we do very small amounts of barrel aging just because we don't have the space. But it's very unscientific. It's you know, we put it in the barrel, we taste it. When it's done, it's done. It comes out. We find that it, it cleans up after a little bit of cold conditioning after being in the barrel. Oh, Those yeah. flavors will really come together and um, kind of kind of smooth out. Uh, but this this beer starts out as a uh, you know again a very malt driven beer, um, lots of like toffee fruit, those kinds of tones, and then the the barrel uh, for this adds to that. A little vanilla from the barrel, yeah. The vanilla yeah. from the barrel, even some like some of that kind of cherry candy, yeah, uh, from the barrel as well. The toffee is awesome. Beautiful yeah, barrel yeah. character. Yeah. And then I think that the yeah, the barrel's just really complimenting that kind of deep toffee flavor. It's awesome. And I, I mean I have what do we have for for every uh one barrel aged old ale, we have twenty barrel aged stouts or reporters. Yeah. I mean, and they're great, but it it's nice to get a just a totally different barrel aged experience than we normally get. Yeah. And this is this style of beer, you know, um I think really lends itself to that, uh because it, it, you know, originally it would have been aged in a barrel just because that's what they had. That's what, the, you know, <laughs> one way or another. It wouldn't have been a bourbon barrel necessarily, but. Sure. Um, but it would have been wooden. It, yes. There would, <laughs> like the host of that <laughs> show. There will be wood one way or another. Yes, that's right. Not to interrupt the question, sorry. Uh, that's okay. It's good beer. I'm glad we got that in glass. You didn't crash it in the barrel. You racked it out and yeah, then cool it down. Racked it into oh. kegs and put it away in a corner of the cold room and nice. let it kind of. There's something magical about a keg. 
I don't yeah. know what it is, but <laughs> yeah, it goes in there. It really it goes into the barrel, and, yeah. and you have these spiky flavor profiles, and it's not you just know it's not quite done, and it goes into the kegs, and even after a couple of weeks, things just totally start to smooth out, and all those spikes start to come down, and the flavors just come together. I don't That's I don't understand cold, the cold conditioning. Yeah, it's yeah. just cold conditioning. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a magical thing. The Germans were onto something, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I know. It's that, <laughs> turns out Apparently, they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, so this beer that I brewed a couple weeks ago, we did a nut brown ale. And I tasted it the other day. I, I've, for the first time uh, probably in the history of my life, I hit all the numbers on the beer, so everything's just looking really great. And I tasted it, and the, and the recipe's just a little out of balance. It's a little too, little too chocolatey. So I'm getting like a little chocolatey sweet and a little bit of... Um, a little too much bitterness. For, Did you take the blackout for my taste? Yes, we took okay. the, we took the blackout. Um, but frankly, and, and this is maybe the first time I'm kind of being serious about my beer here. I'm really not worried about it at all because it's going to lager from now until we serve it at NHC in June. And it's those flavored, those kind of rough edges that really stick out, like a little yep. too much of the roast and a and a little too much bitterness. That are exactly the types of things that are going to drop out in my experience. Yeah, you have all those 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 flavors. They're all there, but it's just the it's the the balance of them and like what's kind of yeah what's poking through, and then they all start to smooth out and even out. Yeah, and it, it really you know kind of rounds out the beer. So I yeah. feel like I'm I mean, still finishing out my conical now, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put in a couple cornies. I'm gonna stick it in the back of my fridge and forget about it until June. I have confidence. And, uh, I think it's gonna, it's gonna taste good. good. I'm actually pretty confident about this one too. I think it's gonna taste good. But yeah, it, this lagering thing. Boy, the Germans knew. <laughs> you know. All right, couple questions here from the chat room. Um, all right, somebody wants to know if you've made a beer um, yet that you didn't want to share or sell. Have you had any failed ones like that? So, I made a few beers very early on that should not have been consumed by anyone. <laughs> um, I actually so the first the first batch of Uncle Bob's that I did that was supposed to go to our big opening event. I actually dumped. I had to brew another one very quickly because. Wow. Um, I had used um, I'd used Styrian Golding hops in it that had not that were a little past their prime. They they hadn't aged well, and they uh, they just it, you know they tainted the beer. It wasn't good. Okay. Um, Did you know it at the time, like when the day you were brewing? I didn't know when. No, that not the day that I was brewing. You know, I I kept them in the freezer. I you know what it was is I just hadn't been because I hadn't been in production up until then. I bought a bunch of ingredients. I bought a bunch of hops, and I just kind of been sitting on them in the bag. You know, the bag was open and it, it was in the freezer. But these things had just kind of deteriorated a little bit too much. Sure. And it, you know, it, it, I think it probably you know maybe most people wouldn't have noticed, but I noticed. So that thing went right down the drain and it was brutal because I had to like, literally we had our big opening event where I needed all these beers to be on and perfect like a, a week or two after that. So I had to get uncle Bob's brewed again, get into a cask, get it conditioned, all that stuff. And it, it ended up being great. Um, how did you trace the problem back to it being the hops? Was it obvious? Uh, I think if you've, if you've had, uh, if you've, if, if you've smelled old hops, you can kind of you can kind of pick it up, you know. Initially, I was like, "Something's off with this. What's going on?" You know, and, and I started to I started to taste it, and I started to like kind of go back. I'm like, "Well, this is fine. This is fine." Then I went back to that bag of hops, and I opened it up, and I stuck my nose in it. And I was like, "Whoa, that's that's just not great." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you could tell. So, so that um, that you know, that's that's the story with that. Um, okay, so that's one you had to get rid yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. All right. 
Um, how about a, any uh, same listener wanted to know about any you know brewing disasters? Uh, so you know, hot wort. Uh, we don't care. Did anybody lose a limb? Um, <laughs> Only our egos were bruised. Uh, <laughs> the, we've had we've had a couple. We did a um, we did a fresh hop beer, which was really cool. There's a, a guy who's a friend of ours who's a great brewer. He grows hops now as well. So he grew hops, picked them like literally hours before they went into the kettle. Wow! Got them right in the kettle. Man, it was like we had this whole new beer recipe worked out. It was a great day. We were literally like high-fiving each other like at the end of the day. Just big, massive whole hops in the, the kettle. It smelled great. It looked great. We started to try and run this thing out of the kettle, and we just clogged everything. Uh, <laughs> just because of the sheer was, mass of – We never used – a nightmare. We never used whole hops in that kettle before. Okay. And it just – it ended up at you know everything that we'd worked for that whole day just was like crumbling right before our <laughs> I, I had a plan and the plan didn't so we have a small standpipe to keep you know the bottom level of beer off the kettle because when we do the ipas and stuff the hops are you know they're almost right at the drain port and then a kettle is a giant drain port directly in the bottom mm. so my plan was i had this this nice little strainer screen that I dropped over the top of the standpipe. I'm like, this should work out perfectly. No hops will get in. It's yeah. plenty of flow. Somehow that came off. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Well, your, yeah. zip, your zip tie melted. Uh, is probably- there, was, there was no yeah. zip tie. It just dropped on the top of the standpipe. You were trusting gravity to hold the Yeah, This may be the issue. So at what point did something go wrong? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. So far, it sounds like a homebrew. It's great. Are you direct fired or are you... Uh, direct fired. Yeah, direct right, fired. So you probably had boiling going on in that... It, yeah, it was probably you know it was probably yeah, just pushing. enough movement to like push yeah. that thing off. Yeah, it's more like a concentrator inside. So how'd you get it out? Uh, the word out. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> still in there. We <laughs> scooped it up. We scooped it we out. We got rid of that kettle. Down. Yeah. <laughs> so so we how tra- are you gonna do it next? We time? tried a couple things. Like we literally were like, we, let's put a let's put some kind of screen over you know between a gasket oh. and clamp it on there. Like I, I remember poking holes in tinfoil and like sticking it like in between a gasket to see if we could strain the stuff. Yeah. out. everything was everything it's was like getting making clogged. a hash pipe out of foil. <laughs> yeah. You got to do yeah. what you got to do. You know, somebody went to college <laughs> one, time. one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. So, but what ended up actually working was um, we have a we have a whirlpool port that's you know about a third of the way up the kettle. We put an elbow on that mm-hmm. and o- open that valve and let gravity feed the wort down through one of our mash one of the screens for our false bottom or a mash tun which was over the top of a kettle or a, or a keg kettle basically a keg with the top cut off right so we're basically making a grant out of this thing but the hops would plop down on that screen get strained out the wort went into the the keg kettle and then we pumped out of that and into the fermenter got it how long did this knockout take? A long time. Let's <laughs> just say that beer ended up with a little more utilization than we were expecting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How was the finished product? It was. It was. It actually really nice. came out pretty darn good. Good. Yeah. yeah. That's. I like. I, as much was, as we like disasters, yeah. I do like a happy ending. It was definitely saved. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> other than oh, other than uh, making sure your hop blocker uh, stays in place, you consider doing it another way, like. Uh, yeah, the guys out here will uh, go back into the mash tun and treat it as a, a hot back sort of thing. That's actually was my plan is to use the mash tun as a hot back on the next you. time we do this. Cool. So that this means some- you basically just sort of process the wort through the mash tun. Yeah, just fill yeah. thing up with hops. And just then, fill uh, it up with hops and run and the wort over the top the of them. Got it. Yeah. And then take it right out the bottom like yeah, you just have, mash. You have to have okay. some way to mm-hmm. just strain that stuff out. Yeah, I see. Okay. All right. It's just too much hops to bag up. 
It was I think it was yeah. 18 pounds of whole cone hops. A lot of hops. In a seven-barrel batch. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. It's so funny. I have to, you know, take a moment and reflect on what it must be like to actually be in the brew house experiencing these disasters. Because I, mean, I haven't brewed enough to really experience one of these yet. But we, we sit here on the show and we hear home brewers and pro brewers talk about fermenters falling on people and gaskets exploding and things being clogged. And I just love it. It's delightful. It's yeah. great content. I know it's good, good <laughs> but stuff. But it sucks for them. But it must have just – and now I'm just trying to picture what it would, must have been like to just for nine hours. Just, man. Must oh, suck. yeah. We were like – that, that was like the – biggest up and down because we were like riding high we're like this is this is great right making this beer it's awesome <laughs> it's going up swings. and then crashing down yes well everyone <laughs> keeps screwing up out there please when that first hop content. goes through the sight glass the whole world came crashing uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> by the way i met the brewer uh in texas who had the explosion the whole year-long lawsuit and all that oh no oh, way where the, there where the fermenter exploded the man way we talked oh, yeah. the wall. Yeah. and it went through the wall <laughs> yeah it went through the office wall and in fact the brewer i met got injured um god what's the brewery name i'm a dummy because uh I talked to him for a few minutes. Nice guy. Uh, great beer, too. Uh, a lot of German-style uh, beer, actually. They, they have a German owner and, and just mostly German beer. And, uh, yeah, so that guy, that was one of the best disasters wow. that has been talked about on the program here. Was it um, McKinney or, or the brewery out of McKinney? Franconia. Franconia. Thank yeah. you. Franconia uh, Brewery. And, uh, yeah, imagine that disaster. There was even a tour going on, I think, there when was, that happened. Well, that's yeah. where the lawsuit came in because right. the person okay, suing yeah. was on the tour, not yeah. the person whose office the, the man went, <laughs> right. went through. Yeah. Um, so this is, again, where I go like, oh, this is good radio. And then I have to be like, oh, these are actually people that are having a terrible go of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. All right, then there was just a comment. I think this one must be meant for me. Someone wanted me to not feel so bad about my carpet porter years ago. Um, Thomas, Time, timely reference. We're still bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thomas Cotton uh, wrote in, uh, I, I just pumped five gallons of Imperial Stout out of the bottom of my kegerator. I haven't, haven't even tapped it yet. Oh. Hadn't even tapped it yet. Um, get, a gl- he, get a glass. And he then, did. He just didn't realize it. Right. Yeah. So he's saying, I'm sorry for laughing at you for your carpet porter. <laughs> Thank you. Karma. Finally. Vindication. <laughs> yeah. Finally. All right. Well, I got to take a quick break, and then we got some beer news and some other stuff to do. But you guys are welcome to just hang out with us if you want. Uh, for sure. uh, we don't have anything all that official going on. Just a few more things. And then maybe we can try some more of your beer while we're at it. That sounds great. All yeah. right. So let's do that. We'll take a quick break. Uh, feedback, beer news, Twitter game, all sorts of fun stuff coming up. Hang in there. It's the session live from the Hop Grenade in Concord, California. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. A few things happened 30 years ago. Arfinet migrated to TCPIP and the Internet was born. Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad 
fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that Hop Tech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. Hop Tech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. If you don't know Yeast Man, you're missing out. White Labs Yeast Manager, Yeast Man, is available free to any brewer. Yeast Man is your direct link to White Labs Yeast Production Facility. Yes, you can check yeast availability, and yes, you can place an order, but Yeast Man is much more. View yeast quality control and analytical reports. See your big QC day entries and reports. Get access to the entire White Labs catalog, specials on overruns of freshly made yeast, and customized options for your account. Yeast Man is the only real-time online ordering in the business connected directly to factory production. Yeast Man is always on and always live. It's the largest online marketplace for specialty brewers yeast and related products. Visit yeastman.com today and tap directly into White Labs production facility. Gonna brew? Yeast Man to the rescue. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a Certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star Treatment today. 
Adventures in Homebrewing have the knowledge and expertise to craft their own gear and original recipes. Some of the things homebrewing.org creates and manufactures in-house are the Brutus brew stands and propane burners, the serial killer adjustable two-roller grain mill with seven-pound hopper, custom stainless steel false bottoms designed to fit kegels, coolers, and mini-sized brew pots. The brewers at Adventures in Homebrewing have designed a huge selection of original recipes for extract and all-grain brewing. Adventures in Homebrewing original recipes are tried and tested, proven to be of the best quality. And right now, Adventures in Homebrewing is shipping 24 of their best recipes for free. Visit homebrewing.org for the most current selection. Once you try one of Adventures in Homebrewing recipes, you'll keep coming back for more. And now, it's even easier with free shipping on these kits. Brewing Network listeners receive 10% off their homebrewing.org orders when they use coupon code IPA at checkout. See terms and conditions for full details. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. We got just a few things left to do. And don't forget about uh, the... The folks over at Adam and Eve, making you less creepy. <laughs> well, sort of. For decades. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just keeping you inside. That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Making you look less creepy to the world. Right. Uh, that's right. AdamandEve.com. Uh, JP, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Are you getting enough? No. <laughs> God, I hate this one. Uh, <laughs> but in, you know, in her defense, I'm not giving enough either. So you know, okay, good, good point. Thank you. So you'd like more, right? I would love more. Well, AdamandEve.com wants to give you more from a website. How do I get more? Justin, explain. Well, how about ten free gifts? Shit, that's a lot. First, you're going to get a sexy surprise for her, right? Um, any her, I guess. It doesn't matter. I mean, you're not married yet. No. Um, <laughs> second, a specially selected toy for him. For any him? <laughs> yeah. Pick whoever you want. I don't Take Beardy home for all I care. Uh, and then finally, a little something that you and Beardy will both enjoy. <laughs> <clears throat> Plus six full-length adult movies on DVD. And when you say full-length, is that because my, I have a small penis? Yes. Is so, that what you mean? Or so what? they're giving you full-length DVDs. Oh. Um, rubbing it in. And then uh, your 10th gift on all that, you get free shipping on your entire order. All you have to do is go to adamandeve.com and use coupon code BNARMY at checkout. That's B-N-A-R-M-Y. It's right there in our studio door. Folks in the, in the, in the bar, if you want to use the code, it's coupon code BNARMY. Go to adamandeve.com right now. Support our wonderful sponsors. Go on. Do it. Yeah. All right. Um, let's do a little feedback, and then we'll get into to some beer news. Uh, feedback is pretty interesting today. That's some good stuff, huh, Jip? Yeah, not bad. Good stuff come through. Yeah. All right, Ben writes in, hey, BN crew, um, I've been an avid listener for a couple years now. I have an iPod that's filled with only BN shows. Started homebrewing five years ago. And a little bit after, I joined the U.S. Air Force and have been listening to the BN every brew day since. I'm currently deployed right now and really missing nice cold homebrew. Uh, but I listen to your shows every day. 
when I listen to you guys bullshit and talk about beer on the session, I forget about being out here and I feel like I'm home again, uh, which is a really hard thing to do. Listening to you guys is truly making this deployment go by faster, and I appreciate everything you do. It would be really effing awesome if you guys could put together a care package and send it out here. Even if it's something simple with all your signatures, I would love to add it to my brew house once I get home. Thanks for everything from Ben. Ben, I think we could make that happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, thank you even, for your service. Yeah. First of all. Yeah, absolutely. We could probably take that sign down off the wall or just send get another that. one printed and sign it all. I think we might ha- I might have one around somewhere. I can send him a BN Army sign. Um, <laughs> but I don't know that he sent his address. Do I just send it to Ben at U.S. Air Force? <laughs> yeah. That's all yeah, you do. Right. There's only, no, I, I have his email. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> his email address. Yeah, he did not send his, his address. So I, you know, if we were going to do it, I was going to email him back and you, ask for his address. Uh, ben, email Bevo. Yeah, or JP sent his email yeah, address over to could, Bevo. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And then we'll or get I you could something. Just email him. Or we could just send the sign oh. to his email yeah. address. <laughs> right. I was trying to yeah. take, I was take a trying picture. To make yeah. it easy on you, Jeff. No, no, I could. No, it's fine. Well, okay. you'll just send it. Bevo the email. I'll do that. Then you'll just be a middle. She's going to ship it anyway. So. Right. Yeah. Well, why doesn't Bevo. <laughs> now just, is the best time to work this out. Wait. For no. the love of God. Hold on. You guys are retarded. I like Beardy's ben. idea of just sending the gift to the email address. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Here you go. We'll package it real nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's mail it there. It's a photo of all of our phones. <clears throat> all right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's being creative. <laughs> don't, don't crush my creativity, Beverly. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> all right. Whatever. Here's. I don't know who this one's from, uh, but it's titled "I Need a Grieve Job yeah. Badly." Um, <laughs> For a those lot of timely references going on in the show. Wow. For what does those that mean? For those of you who don't know what a grieve job is, a grieve job is when Let's see if you can remember. Um, somebody gives you a handy that is lubricated by your own tears. Right. Uh, so it's usually oh. done after somebody dies. Yeah, very and sad then, uh, You know, other people have, like, grieving, whatever. But sometimes just a grieve job will do the trick. Right. And then your own tears. Did te- we coin that phrase? Yeah. Yes, we did. Long ago. <laughs> wrong with you people? I don't Wasn't know. Wasn't that after Schumann's dad what? died? Yeah. That's, that's the level of friendship. It was after that is here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Both of our Big dads. Roger died. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, titled "I Need a Grieve Job Badly" starts. Uh, Welp, this is Captain Scotch from the Forum, and I <laughs> I buried my pops today, and I'm drunk already. It's only been a few months for me since I heard you and Schumann going through it, so that shit helped me a lot the last three or four days. Thankfully, I have a spare dad, too, uh, but I don't think he'll uh, ever replace the awesome douchebag I just dumped in the ground. <laughs> and, and that's all, that's all he wrote. He make, it, makes, it makes it sound like he just like got out of the truck, <laughs> right, yeah. lowered the, the, right. the tailgate, and then got back in and hit the gas yeah. Yeah. While, while weeping. Bye, you awesome douchebag. Yeah. yeah. That's the way he would have wanted to go out. Pretty yeah. much about how Schumann did. I mean, I think Schumann shot his dad out of a potato gun or something <laughs> afterward. So I think this guy took a page out of your your book. Yeah, and how to grieve. Hey, glad we could help, man. I, I'm, that's very nice of you to write that in. I'm sorry about your dad. Um, all right, someone else writes in. No names here. Uh, I'll keep this short. Um, Oh, this is just more Nicole feedback. I don't need to read all that anymore. <laughs> you didn't read it the first time. <laughs> or the second time. <laughs> or, or, yeah. Third we get, time? We get the point, everybody. Thanks for writing in. All right. Um, well, they want to know that you oh, We get the point, everybody. Let's leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, David writes in, uh, Hey, Brewcasters, I recently entered my first two competitions with the same batch of German Pilsner. In the first competition, three months after Brew Day, I scored a 38 and took first place. In the second competition, four weeks later, I scored a 30, and there were differences in the feedback, particularly around the level of bitterness. In the first instance, the piece of feedback read, Drier in the finish with lingering bitterness starts to become unpleasant. From the later set of judges, more sweet than bitter on balance needs to be crisper, have more bitterness and flavor from the hops. If I compare my tasting notes from when I first tapped the keg to when I drained it, uh, about four months lag, I too noticed the shift from bitter to sweet. Hmm. My surprise is how dramatic a shift in bitterness took place, and I uh, would like to know your thoughts on how I might have been able to preserve it for the second competition. <clears throat> tasting? Uh, Good answer. Yes. <laughs> well, he didn't say how much time was between the two, right? A he month. did. He did. Oh, he did. A, a month. month? Yeah. yeah. Between the one well, competition uh, and the next, yeah. I, I call the uh, first editions the uh, permanent bitterness, and the late editions I call that temporary bitterness. So I would increase the amount of uh, first edition hops, like the 60 or the 90-minute, whatever he's doing. Of course, then it wouldn't have tasted as good in the first competition, well, right? It would have been out of balance. Well, no, you could no. still uh, – I would. I generally do half and half. Half, half the IBUs at 60 and then the other half uh, like 20 or later, but – or typically ten and later, or even five and later, are the rest at zero. Okay, you know, but yeah, because that to me that's the this the late additions that drop out quicker over time. Got it. I okay. think one of the other things about that too is you get some perceived bitterness that might not actually be IBU bitterness that can kind of fall off depending on where your hops are going or what you're doing with with the beer. So you might want to kind of think about that total balance a little bit. Okay, and beer doesn't last forever. <laughs> So, and this is part of what we were just talking about, too, with just the lagering process. Some things are just going to drop out. Right. So, uh, well, yeah. And if, for instance, if the beer's not totally clear in the beginning, well, the, the bitterness will attach to, to what's not, you know, the, the haze that's in there. Yeah. You can and have as that yeah. drops Smag out over time, in the keg. then you'll lose the bitterness. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Also, don't take whatever a beer judge tells you as gospel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because what? Because I've had some notoriously terrible score sheets before from people who just honestly don't know the difference between bitterness mm-hmm. and sweetness. It's it's insane, but don't just take that anecdotal stuff as you're doing something wrong. Send it out to multiple competitions and take the, the average of the feedback and then do some corrections. Get there a second go. opinion. Yeah. And Well, he said he also did notice it himself when he got to the bottom of the keg. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. sure, but it could be just, you know, uh, he's being influenced by the score sheets or, you know, a lot of people try to learn from the score sheets. And while they're not perfect, there's some room that you can you can definitely get a second or even a third opinion for sure. Okay. All right, Jordan in Australia writes in, Dear JP and friends. Yeah, um, what do you know? <laughs> Rename the show. <laughs> you've uh, pro- That's a good name for the show, actually. Uh, you You've probably already answered this, um, and I feel a little rapey even asking. <laughs> Just but, a little. Uh, can I watch you? But is there a way of downloading Sugar Valley's Brewers, uh, Sugar Valley Brewers, <laughs> Sugar's Valley, Sugar's Va- Sugar Valley Brewers tracks? That should um, be on Adam and Eve. Uh, Sugar's yeah. Valley. That's a category. <laughs> it's funny. He brings up Sugar Valley. The, uh, the guests tonight, um, we were texting in the afternoon. They were like, yeah, we're on our way. They had been in uh, Santa Rosa at Russian River, and they said that we, we're just stopping along the way to pick up Sugar Valley Brewery. He's coming in to watch the show tonight. Uh-huh. And for a second, I was like... Wow, I was about to call Bevo and be like, hey, I'd maybe have Susie come in. Wear, something, wear something sexy. Yeah, it's a dress-up show yeah. tonight. Um, I don't know if I told excuse you. Excuse me, I am dressed sexy. Yeah. This is as sexy as it gets. But yeah, they did send a, a JK message after that. But you had me going there for a second. And wow. by the way, not funny. <laughs> 
All right, so I want to know if there's a way to download the tracks. Each time I roll up after work finishing a BN episode, I end up with the delightful JP's an asshole number on infinite loop in my head. And uh, damn it if it doesn't start off my day right. So any direction is appreciated. No, there is currently no place to download the Sugar Valley Brewer songs. That is all. Um, okay. There's another one for Nicole. Uh, <coughs> doesn't have his own Pandora station, huh? Here's one from Sean. I know I'm uh, I know I'm late, but the Tioga Sequoia episode was hilarious. The game at the end was an amazing new game. Also, I think Beardy is a good addition to the show. Keep it up, guys. From Sean. Damn it, Beardy! There you go. Captain Obvious writes in. um, You probably uh, already know this. (laughs) (laughs) But the internet is great, right? Yeah. Actually, that's another one about Nicole. And uh, <laughs> oh, when are you just gonna read it? <laughs> just give in. And then finally, sent from the incognito tab in my Chrome browser, writes in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you don't leave your name and that's your sign off, that's what that's your name. <laughs> Sorry, uh, dear Justin. Um, is this one okay to read here, too? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> he did send uh, it from the incognito. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it must be fine. Uh, you may not know everything about brewing, but I'm confident you can help me with this craft beer industry-related question. In three weeks' time, I'll be in Portland for the 2015 Craft Brewers Conference. I'm seeking your guidance in, one, finding the best strip clubs, and, two, having the best possible strip club experience in Portland. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so this is something I can help with. Industry-related. Uh, <clears throat> yes, very industry-related. Uh, when you go to the Craft Brewers Conference, I recommend that you check in, you get your badge, then you go sit at Sassy's for the next three days. <laughs> um, as I've mentioned before, Sassy's is more than just a strip club. It's a little slice of heaven on earth. It's more like a beer bar, like a great beer bar. They have a lot of beers on tap. Uh, you don't have to pay a cover charge. Uh, the beers are not more expensive they are, than they are in the normal bar. Uh, there just happens to be fully naked tattooed women dancing in the corner and the side and in the back (laughs) and in the middle of the room and in the middle of the room as well and so you will not have a better strip club experience as a beer fan than you will have at sassy's now that being said there are also other clubs that serve great beer but in my experience sassy's is the best now the way to have your 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 best experience when you get to sassy's keep this in mind portland strippers have a lot of attitude they don't give a shit about you no. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, don't talk. Contrary to other strippers. <clears throat> yeah. That's right. Other strippers, I don't know if they have to work harder for their money or what, but uh, uh, do not comment on their tattoos. Do not show them your tattoo. They don't care about your tattoo. No. They will just, unless, of course, you're the type of person who likes being treated like shit, then. <laughs> they then, go to the tornado. Then, <laughs> I have changed my vacation plans. Then don't, then don't listen to any of this advice that I'm giving. Uh, yeah, they're, they're great. They will smile at you. I would tip in 20s and not 1s to begin with. And then you will have a much better experience. Jeez, to begin with? Well, no wonder you're broke. Yeah, when you gotta, when you gotta, do you drop from the 20 to the 1? Right. Uh, once you, she starts Shift smiling. Shift uh, once, oh, okay. once the smiling happens, then you're, it's fine to go down to a 5 and then some 1s later it, on. Because like the organic um, toothpaste doesn't quite get all the cavities. And it's kind of, <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm telling you, uh, just given he wants the best experience, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm telling him what it is. Um, so yeah, when you first sit down and just drop a 20 on your favorite one and then you, you can hang out for a little while. That uh, that's about it. the most precise piece of information yeah, yeah. So that I think yeah. have ever heard you give on <laughs> those this people, show. Those people at Blue Bonnet are real friend. disappointed. 
need to look into a career change. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. go to what? I'm going to be there. I'm going to use that information. Podcast strippers. I'm going to start. Yeah. I'm going to try 30, yeah. though. I think I'll need to do 30. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much else going. Yeah. Just just go for it, Tasty. Listen, it'll it'll pay back tenfold. You're going to get a lot of attention and then and a lot less attitude. Uh, again, though, if you like a little attitude, you know, show them your tattoos. <laughs> Are you speaking from personal experience? Well, most definitely. <laughs> I had gone in with a friend of mine who had just gotten a new tattoo, and he was pretty excited about it. So I, and I was drunk, and we sat down, and, and I said, "This girl came. This she had great tattoos, stripper." And I was like, "Hey, my friend here just got. She had a lot of them." So I thought, "Oh, he like just joined the tattoo club, right?" Like it's my fun. friend they here, be friends. my friend here just <laughs> got his first tattoo. It was you know perfectly innocent statement. Yeah, she looked at us both like we were the stupidest <laughs> douchebags on the planet. <laughs> like she didn't even smile. She just ga- she looked down at his new tattoo, looked up at us both, gave us a dirty look, and walked away. <laughs> It was the weirdest, and I was like, all right, I guess we're not cool enough for Portland tattoos yet. No. Stripper girl. You didn't smell enough. You didn't smell bad enough. <laughs> yeah. Did you write so, that on your fixed gear? Maybe she knew that. And then and then I made other comments just about uh, uh, tattoos on the, the strippers to yeah. them, and it's not all bad, but in general, it's just it's just bad etiquette, I found out. They'd rather you just not talk about it. Well, they don't want to be there They'd rather as an you object talk. of art. Right. They'd rather you objectify their body. <laughs> so, something yeah. I don't know. Um, I will say that I saw the best stripper I've ever seen at Sassy's. She was very tall. She had two revolvers tattooed to her pelvis, both pointing into her. Sure. I think I've seen all her films. Um, and, and, and Sassy's has a stripper pole that goes up like to the second floor, although there's not a second floor, so it just goes into like the attic or to something. The it's like, it's a, it's a weird like 15 foot pole. And this woman could. I mean, she came down all 15 feet upside down, spinning furiously, stopped herself with no hands. Jesus. Uh, uh, like a half, like six inches from the ground. Like Chun Li from Street Fighter 2's she- upside down. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then stopped herself with her legs only. She was the Cirque du Soleil of strippers. And, um, Do they just get the worst like rug burn from stopping like that? No, she was perfect. No. <laughs> she had also pre-sanitized the pole before using it, which I found you. very healthy. I, um, I do think uh, Bevo's onto something with your career change because yeah, you were, you were articulate and engaging during that. Place. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't so, seen that in years. I just want to point out that there is Strip Club Radio, uh, a podcast hosted by Tim Rhodes. So oh. maybe, maybe it needs a new host. They, they do shows such as We Married Strippers. Six ex-stripper wives between Tim Glenn and Dane listen to their stories about why none of the marriages worked out and why you should not date or marry strippers. I That's a show you could host. I am downloading that show. I'll tell you that right now. And uh, yeah, I should because then I could travel around. I mean, I've seen breweries before. I know uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I get new things to go to. Here's, That's an, true. here's another episode. Imagine how much more fun the conventions are, too. And, sure. You know. Uh, this episode is Millennials Don't Tip. Young people are the worst tippers. Why? True. We yeah. discuss on today's Strip Club Radio. Yeah, because they're douchebags. They have a sense of entitlement. And you got to drop down a 20 every now and then just, and just get taken care of. At a place like – think about it this way, too. Do the math. Any other strip club on earth, you're going to drop a 40 to, just to walk in the door. And you're going to pay then double the amount for a good beer, and it's not even going to be a good beer, than you do a normal beer. At Sassy's, there's no cover charge. The beer's the same price. So just pay that to the people who are naked. Well, you don't tip on right. the internet. So I think it sets up a bad precedent. Right. They have yeah, to pay the millennials are bad. Right. Yeah. Well, they're all going through med school. Tuition's and things like a bitch, that. man. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
All right. So there you go. Uh, I hope you have a good time in Portland. I won't be there this year, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, Sassy's always has a place in my, in my uh, high cholesterol heart. All right. Spam of the week. Let's do this. Hello, baby. <laughs> Hi. Oh, good start. Somebody I know. It's Dinara here. Oh. I'm from Krasnodar, Russia. <laughs> the people here, especially the women, one word, um, are much more warm or even hot, just like predominant climate we have. <laughs> In Russia? Russia is known for its warm climate. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> Yakov Shmirnov writing this? <laughs> yeah. of, of course, the most beautiful girls on our planet are in Russia! Exclamation points. Um, okay, course. right, right. Uh, okay, majority of the beautiful girls of our planet. Well, that should be agreeable, I think. <laughs> All right, I, I agree. You've sure. convinced me. All right. Uh, do you want to find them? I can tell you how. Well, they're in Russia. Please, <laughs> you already told me, idiot. <laughs> they're they're in Krasnodar. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you how. Please join this site where I have enrolled myself, and so are thousands of those beauties which we just now mentioned above. Um, this premium online dating website provides you with anonymity, convenience. Well, how does she know anonymity? Uh, convenience and freedom of choice, along with a wide range of communication methods. One word again. You got to see the writing on this one. Um, don't sit bored in your solitude <laughs> and waste your time. Well, she doesn't have to go getting rude now. It's offensive. You don't know me. Yeah, when I'm solitary, I'm really I have a lot of shit to do. Yeah. Instead, believe in your destiny and join me at this site. Come on, click here. You're destined to, to find a Russian girl. Yeah. In Russia. Who, who uses... My favorite part is they're using climate change <laughs> to sell you on dating women in Russia. No, no, she said that. The tropical hotspot. Um, yeah, that is, yeah, that is, that is Siberia. Yeah, right. It's uh, only getting warmer. Come claim land now. Yeah, right. Did you click on the site, JP? I did not click on the site because I value using my computer. No. Well, that's too bad. I'll forward it to you. All right. Feedback was brought to you today by our good friend John over at Beer Law Center. He protects our, uh, protects our trademark and he can do do the same for you. Go to BeerLawCenter.com, and John will take some good care of you. All right. Um, should we do some beer news? Sure. Am I supposed to play something? No. <coughs> All right. Let's do beer news. What do we have? Uh, well, we have one of my favorite stories in, in months. May, maybe my favorite story ever. Uh, the U.S. Court of Appeals has ruled that the Michigan Liquor Control Commissioners are to be held accountable for violating Flying Dog Brewery's First Amendment rights related to the 2009 ban of the sale of Raging Bitch. In the state. I can't remember if we covered this when Flying Dog was on. I think we did. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the commission had deemed that the Raging Bitch label was, quote, detrimental to the health, safety, or welfare of the general public, end quote, and it banned the beer in Michigan. Uh, in Flying Dog's view, that was state censorship and a clear violation of its First Amendment rights. Oh. Here's a uh, quote from uh, Jim Caruso, Flying Dog's CEO. This ruling is invigorating. It's taken a few years, but now appointed bureaucrats are accountable for imposing their personal agendas and prejudices on the public and for committing the crime of violating Flying Dog's right to freedom of speech. This is refreshing, and I hope this federal court's ruling benefits breweries, wineries, and distilleries in other states as well. Here's another quote from uh, Flying Dog's attorney, Alan Gura. Uh, Let this be another lesson to the politically correct crowd. There's no free ride for violating Americans' free speech rights. In 21st century America, officials cannot ban words, artwork, and poetry they dislike. Illegal censorship causes real harm, and Michigan's liquor commissioners will now be made to pay real money for the damage they've done. 
Uh, the ruling will allow Flying Dog to recover damages from the loss of sales during the ban retroactively. Wow. <laughs> how much is that? Who knows? I don't know how they're going to calculate it, and this is a, a pretty new uh, decision, so I don't know how it's going to pan out financially for Flying Dog, but it, it's definitely a big statement to future state controllers who uh, wish to decide what to and not to allow. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Good for them. What okay. a win. Yeah, it took me how many years? So this is September 2009 was when Flying Dog first requested <laughs> approval to register Raging Bitch in the state. Now, here we are, six years and change later, yeah. finally been fixed. Wow. A lot of people may not realize the Raging Bitch was, of course, a dog about a dog, not a, not a, a person. Yes. it was, And, in fact, it was clear on the label that it was a dog. Yeah. Uh, it was also a piece of art on, yeah. on the label. Right. It wasn't even uh, like a, like yeah. a dog looked like it was in heat or something like that. <laughs> no, it was, it was like yeah. a, dog, a dog just like LSD or something. Right, like yeah. yeah. Right. definitely looked like it was on LSD. <laughs> yeah. I felt like that when I was on LSD yesterday. Well, if you live in uh, Michigan, you can uh, look for flying dogs uh, raging bitch on the shelves, um, I guess, now. I think it's reversed immediately. Your yeah. tax dollars will be going to uh, Maryland. <laughs> yeah, they need you to buy it now. Yeah, right. Maryland will be pushing it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Raging, come to Maryland. Buy raging bitch. Well, congratulations, Flying Dog. It's a huge decision. Yeah. Uh, so now on to uh, Oregon's Full Sail Brewing. That's an employee-owned company, Full Sail is. They have agreed to be acquired by Encore Consumer Capital, which is a San Francisco-based investment firm. This is a particularly interesting acquisition story for a couple of reasons, I think. First, Full Sail is owned by the employees, like I just mentioned, by virtue of an ESOP, an Employee Stock Ownership Program. Um, so it was the employee's decision. Second, it wasn't AB or you know some other brewery seeking to acquire Full Sail. It was an investment group with no ties to the beer industry. Hmm. So the name of the company that bought Full Sail, it's like a spinoff of this investment group, Oregon Craft Brewers Company, it's called. Um, it's described as a company comprised of a group of, quote, local Oregon investors, end quote, and Encore Consumer Capital. Details about the investors and all the financial nitty-gritty, it's confidential, so nobody really even knows what it means. And, of course, forming a company called Oregon Craft Brewers certainly helps make an otherwise unsavory takeover sound more palatable. Yeah. And certainly to the employees, they were trying to sell on the whole thing, right? But it was just an investment firm is what we're saying. Yeah. Okay. And interestingly, this investment firm has a track record of purchasing companies and then selling them to large players in related industries. Oh. So, for example, they acquired Adele Sausage for $37 million back in 2007, and then they sold it to Sarah Lee in 2011, four years later, for $87 million. So they were, wow. they were flipping mm. businesses, basically. Wow. Um, so who you know what's in store for Full Sale? Are they going to get the brewery's ducks in a row and then sell it to AB? or Miller Coors. Who knows? For yeah. now, uh, full sale employees get a payout and they retain their jobs. Nice. And so. But they lose all the ownership that they had. Yes. Right. Yeah. Hopefully it was worth it. Well, you know, they had to they had to have a majority consensus, well, and they, they agreed to it. Did we get any dollar numbers? I'm really curious. No, uh, it hasn't come out yet. It's, it's oh, being kept okay. confidential okay. right Guy now. Packaging's a millionaire now. Is it? Uh, <laughs> well, and, and that's that's a, a, certainly a possibility. I mean, it, depending on how much of the uh, company you owned as an employee, that's how you get paid out. That is kind of the beauty of at that point in, in ESOP. However, it could also work that if there are enough shares and they are spread out enough that uh, nobody does all that great. But full sale's not all that enormous, are they? I mean, no, but I know they definitely wanted the the employees to have this benefit should it ever should, should it ever, ever arise. Yeah, so I'm sure they're quite pleased. The fact that uh, I'm sure employees. they are, and so I yeah, I would be curious now if it ends up getting sold to AB or, or something like that. Oh, who are you going to package it for? In, somebody in else? A few years? That's so much bigger. I mean, well, they yeah. might buy a couple breweries and then sell it Whole as package a package together. deal to maybe AB or something. Interesting. All right, good one. Uh, a couple more from uh, Oregon to Ohio. A fight over sewer usage is causing a big stink 
for Cincinnati area brewers and could mean dire consequences for at least one of the local breweries there. Uh, the breweries say the Metropolitan Sewer District plans to implement substantial new charges that will have a big impact on their bottom line, and the whole thing came completely without warning, allegedly. Uh, the Sewer District said in a letter they sent all these breweries that they are in the process of evaluating whether the breweries are in compliance with the county's wastewater regulations, and uh, they're facing new surcharges if they're not in compliance. So Sewer District spokeswoman Cassandra Hillary said that 18 different breweries had been sent these letters so far. She said that since January 1 of last year, 2014, eight breweries had been inspected, uh, and more inspections will be performed this year. Uh, breweries are stating that the sewer district isn't able to provide data on the effluent levels they're sending into the sewers. That, in other words, the city doesn't have a good way to do any measurement. Uh, they're just going off industry data and estimating what they think the breweries are discharging yeah. and then charging them accordingly. Yeah. Uh, the city's largest brewery is Sam Adams, and they uh, you know, apparently have been paying these surcharges for a long time. Uh, anyone want to guess what their sewer fees alone were in 2013? <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. For Sam Adams? Yeah. Uh, half a million dollars? Seventy dollars. <laughs> Two million. <laughs> Two mil. In sewer charges. Wow. Big chunk of change. And, you know, uh, like maybe more uh, costs in store for uh, Ohio uh, breweries? I hope not. It's interesting because I've heard this come up before talking to other breweries. And usually, uh, at least in what I've heard, the city actually airs on the side of the brewery. In other words, it's like... The breweries don't know how to estimate what they're dumping to. And if they just sort of look at the volume and uh, I don't know if it was Russian River or somebody like that I was talking to, uh, you know, not an enormous brewery, right? Something like putting in a 15 or a 30 barrel system. The city kind of looks at it and goes, all right, we do have to figure out what's going down this drain, but tends to err on the side of the brewers and go, well, you're not that big, so don't worry about it. Now, the Sam Adams Brewery that's there is probably an enormous I don't know what, 500-barrel brewery maybe coming out of there? There should certainly be some fees. You're, you're just dumping that into the same water system that you and I use. Uh, and, and there should be some, like a scale of what I pay and what you pay when you're dumping all that beer down, right? Yeah, I've heard numbers like, you know, one brewery is like 10,000 households of solid waste or something like that. Okay. I mean, Got an it. average size brewery. The, yeah. But it certainly needs to be – now, I, I don't agree that it should be done willy-nilly, though. I think it should be quantified and, and figured out. However, that, I, I think right now, might end up hurting more breweries in this country than it would helping. Uh, and, but that's just my very limited experience. And I've also heard of cities that are like, uh, give us all the yeast you can because it really helps in our uh – in our system. Oh, right. To degrade <laughs> Dump that stuff yeah. in there, yeah. yeah. Oh, because the yeast eats some of the yeah. contaminants? Yeah. Oh, interesting. But it can also cause ecological imbalances, like depending on what the sewer, their treatment facility uses. Yeah. What if else you throw getting. in a bunch of yeast, that could mess up their whole system and make it worse. Yeah. But in, in Fairfield, the city actually brought out a little sampler that every few minutes took a sample from ah. the drain at okay. Heretic. Yeah. And they did that a couple days and then used that to kind of estimate what the impact of... Heretic on on the sewer system was weird. The city data. Of they got yeah. Data. They actually, it was weird. They came out and actually wanted to learn specifically <laughs> what we sent down the drain. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, it's obviously it's totally reasonable for the the wastewater. Treat, you know, you're dumping a lot more, like Tacey said, it's 10,000 houses for one brewery. Yeah, then no, no. it stands to reason yeah. you should be paying more. No, no, no doubt about it. I think their thing is we just want to know. Why How are you charging us? And, and, and it was also a, a very Agreed. large increase all at once. Like it was like, oh, our bills went up five times in March, what it was in February. And how do you prepare for that as a business where you know, your lines are razor thin anyway? And if they didn't note a specific problem, it sounds more like, uh, hey, this industry is growing. I bet we can uh, get right. some more dollars right. out of Which, it. Which, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like it's, it, it's totally malicious like that. Because like I said, there are, you know, 
they're dumping more, they pay more. That's fine. I think they just want to be precise about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Steve, how is that in your area in terms of you have to uh, yeah, deal I with mean, the solids and stuff like that? So, you know, what we found was that, um, you know, depend our, the, the sewer system where we are um, – it's got some issues because it's older, some of the parts of it, and especially um, some, some of the – we're in a more industrial area, so this, the sewer system is a little bit newer. But downtown, they've been having a lot of issues with clogs and with things, and they, they started mandating grease traps for a lot of businesses. And, you know, when when you have an infrastructure that is starting to, you know, fall apart and fail, you you got to look for the revenue somewhere to help mm-hmm. fix that. And, you know, if you're looking at someone who's using a lot of water, who's dumping a lot of stuff down the drain, it's, it's you know, it's a pretty easy target. But you got to look at the reality of what's actually going down the drain and, and you know, how that's impacting things. And, you know, for, for us, we actually had to do some education and say, because they wanted us to put in a grease trap at the brewery. Oh, uh, yeah. Which there's... You know, you're gonna you're gonna make more grease, you know, cooking bacon at home yep. uh, than, than we're gonna make in our process of of, um, of brewing. So we had to kind of educate them on how that worked and and why you know that wasn't appropriate for us. But it's yeah, I mean it's def- it's definitely an issue because you know we're all using that stuff and as you know as soon as there's an issue and if you caused it, it's when it's something like a sewer system, it's gonna be bad. Yeah, and, yeah. All right. Anything All right. else? Yeah, let's do the one more. The um, the statistic of the week on this week's beer news: forty uh, percent of Americans can't spell Budweiser. That's hmm. not news that uh, Americans can't spell good. That's yeah. uh, more and more prevalent by the day. It seems like, but uh, this right. is uh, according to a bartender with no e, just bar t n d r. That's an app. It lets users share information about their favorite bars. The app's technical team tracked some one hundred thousand recent postings and found a ton of misspellings. Uh, and in fully forty two percent of the posts in which Budweiser was used, it was spelled wrong. Well, maybe Siri can't spell Budweiser. That could be the problem. <laughs> I can't maybe. spell Sierra when I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, they're using the app drunk. That's a good point. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the news uh, brought to you by Strip Club Radio, where you can hear. Episodes like plastic surgery is not a new thing to strippers in our clubs, but a new procedure is taking over. Find out what it is on today's Strip Club Radio. Oh, I am what intrigued. Is it? Who is Strip Club's radio uh, demographic? Is it me or is it strippers, I wonder? Oh, like, who is listening? I can't imagine I think strippers we should downloading podcasts. Yeah. I don't think strippers are trying to learn more about yeah, their yeah, craft. So. Yeah, it's you. you. Know, leg spin know. techniques for the advanced stripper. <laughs> hey, I would disagree. I have seen some techniques that required study. But I think that's natural talent. On their part. Yeah, you know. yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, you got to have the right skin to stop on a pole when you're sliding from the second story. Yeah, you do. All right, we're going to take a very quick break, a very short one. It looks like i got a couple of uh, uh, drunk people calling in, so that's interesting. Ooh, we have drunk voicemails, too. We do? Yeah. All right, then we'll do our first drunk of the week in a long, long time when we come back. Hang in there. It's the session. Just give us a couple minutes here. to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Yes, 
the National Homebrew Conference is coming up this summer, and More Beer wants to send you. To celebrate 20 years of serving homebrewers, More Beer is giving away two full pass registrations to the 2015 National Homebrew Conference, June 10th through 13th. That's right, two full passes, full access to all the presentations, club night, and pro brewers night, two seats to the grand banquet and award ceremony, two one-year membership gift cards to the American Homebrewers Association, four-night stay at the beautiful town and country resort, round-trip airfare to and from the San Diego airport, two VIP passes to the Brewing Network's own anniversary party, a $250 prepaid Visa gift card for food and your other expenses, and dinner with the More Beer crew. Visit morebeer.com for all the details and to enter. You can enter once a day through April 15th, and the winner will be drawn on April 25th. If you've already purchased your registration to the event and seats to the Grand Banquet, those fees can be refunded. Enter today at morebeer.com. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. What'd you get? More brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is... Awesome! No, I mean, yes, but... The cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmaster's Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at brewmasterswarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmaster's Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit brewmasterswarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. BN Army, I'm here to talk seriously for a second. You all are partially responsible for something explosive, and it's time you answer for it. Moonlight Meadery is exploding. Yeah, exploding across the country. Wait, they just landed in Australia with insane quality meads. With nearly 70 different varieties of mead on the market, Moonlight Meadery has blown up the mead category and completely reinvented it. Seriously? What? Seriously. What? You're paying money for that watered-down mead when you could have a Moonlight Mead? Moonlight Meads explode with quality and flavor. They're a party in a bottle. Did someone say party? If you want mead and want the best, you want meads from Moonlight Meadery and will accept nothing less. And now get 15% off by going to MoonlightMeadery.com forward slash BNArmy and use coupon code BNArmy at checkout. Hey, sign me up for that party. 
segmented, demented, fermented, fermented. It's the session. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hey, don't forget, I've been telling you about this, but if you're going to the Craft Brewers Conference up in Portland, like we were just uh, talking about over there, White Labs is putting on their yeast handling for brewers, cropping, storing, and propagation. Uh, That's on April 14th. Uh, you can still register. Early registration has passed. I gave you good warning, and you'd have saved a little cash there, but it's still well worth it. Yeast handling for brewers, cropping, storing, and propagation. Go to whitelabs.com slash education, and uh, you'll find all their classes. They're also doing a homebrew yeast workshop and webinar in San Diego on June 10th, the night of our uh, – well, they're doing it during the day, but the day of our um, anniversary party. So that's for NHC. If you're planning on coming out to NHC and you want to make the most out of your trip, uh, you can still – Still register for the homebrew yeast workshop and webinar uh, that they'll be doing there at White Labs. So I'm actually going to the CBC yeast seminar that they're doing. So I'll be able to give you a full detail. Give us a rundown. Yeah. I love it. All right. Good. Should be fun. Yeah. We should get Kara in here too. Yeah. Talk about some of the stuff. She's fun and knows what she's doing and does some of those classes for them as well. Go to whitelabs.com and check it out. All right. uh, Let's take a couple, I guess, drunk of the week phone calls, shall we? Uh, I think we have Lulu Gumshoe on the phone. Lulu. <laughs> Lulu, what's happening? Oh, my God. Justin. Yes. <laughs> Next. <laughs> You're in the running. Yeah. What's up, brother? How are you? I think it's sister. Is it I have, sister. I have a product idea for you guys. Okay. 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 Here we out. Brewing Network uh, playing cards. Playing cards. Yeah. But <laughs> Here or out? <laughs> just on the back. You know, no, but, you? like, like, obviously. Can I be like, the king? Justin, oh. Yes, you would be the king. Okay. Of clubs. Uh, Bebo would be the queen. Cool. And be the, jack. the jacks would be everyone else. Justin. <laughs> Everyone else. I think she thought it was me that asked that question, Tacey. I don't think oh. you're the king. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't think you recognized your voice. I just want to be the eight of hearts. I don't know. <laughs> Why not? I just Can I be eight of hearts? I always yeah. saw myself as the eight of hearts. Or two of diamonds. That's all I want. <laughs> now, this is actually a great idea. I don't know if you guys remember, but I think somewhere around the beginning of the Iraq war, they came out with a deck of cards of, like, Middle Eastern sheiks. Oh, you guys remember that. this? Oh, I had and it was that. like the yeah. Al Qaeda The ranking. most wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got sick of it. You had it. Well, my uncle was in the army, and so he got a bunch of them, okay. and so I ended up right. with a deck. Yeah. yeah. So it's like I see your Anwal Arzakiri, and I raise you uh, um, wow. an Osama bin Laden. No, six packs of those. If you want those, uh, tasty at thebrewingnetwork.com. And you've uh, got to make an offer. Yeah, you've got six, un- six unopened packs. Okay. This is a good idea, Lulu. Uh, I, I think this is we we might run with this one. I don't know. Who the hell's going to buy them? Nobody. <laughs> They're all going to sit at Scott's house. Wait a minute. I'm hopping out there. It's functional, right? Like all, like all our rare barrel beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just waiting. Uh, all right, Lulu. And are you? Uh, have you drank a lot today? Um, yes, I have consumed quite a bit. <laughs> Which is, for her is like two beers. I see. <laughs> yeah. And then watching Randall have one. <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a scale of one to ten, how, how drunk are you? Uh-huh. 
you know, I'm probably an eight. I could probably go for some more right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's always room for improvement. Why not strive well, clearly for... Clearly she's making good decisions. She's been on the phone yeah. like right. 60 seconds, so she must be so right up. Uh, strive yeah. for perfection. Uh, <laughs> all right, Lulu, anything else you'd like us to know about your drunkenness? Oh, I had another product idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I need to know. Yeah, it's just like your little think tank you're doing yeah. here. Huh? All right, what do you got? I got... A Brewing Network coloring book. <laughs> See, now this, this is a good idea. That could idea. go somewhere. Yes. No, She's actually right. quite the artist. Yeah? She's literally an artist. Oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. when you say quite the artist, it makes it sound like, oh, it's oh, something no. that she does on her spare time. No, like, for real. No, she's a comic book artist. Right. She right. could totally do it. Okay. Uh, who, who again, is the demographic that's buying the coloring book? Stoners. Uh, you know, <laughs> adult, are, are, adult coloring books are a thing. They adult are? Adult coloring books are a thing. It is? That's a thing? Since, I have one. Where you at? Of course you do. Our, Gangster. Our, our elementary <laughs> listenership could use a boost, I feel yeah, like. North Dakota? So, yeah. yeah. Coloring Wait, books might the be thing the about branding, in. Justin, is you got to get in early. <laughs> yeah. So so Sorry. adult coloring books are becoming a thing. <laughs> well, yeah. no, but like, so they could be just for kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or like, uh, you know, like Bev would buy them for Abby, I'm sure. She'd pay full and price. Is, is it just, uh, it's like, like us standing around drinking beer, and that's what know. we give to the kids. Well, you can oh. have like activities, like you know, like a word search, like find the different types of hops, maybe. Mm. <laughs> or, you know, or Casey <laughs> holding a, a glass of beer. What is a word search doing in a co- coloring book, though? Well, it's an, it's activity, like an activity book. book like, she hasn't sussed it all out yet. Beer. Oh, okay. You can do like one of those. All right. Draw and find numbers. Connect the and... dots. Tasty. I'd like that. Yeah, you would draw. <laughs> The 39 uh, points profile. <laughs> yeah. Like, mommy, what are these numbers? Oh. Connect the dots, tasty, color by number, JP. Right. Right. That'd be good. <laughs> what color is Terrence the Black? <laughs> color is Terrence. Yeah. That's more That's of a right. special ed JP. test, I think. Well, I mean, look at, uh, look at uh, you know, uh, Go That's the Fuck to Sleep or whatever that child's book is. <laughs> That's not really for kids. I see. But it, it made a bunch of money. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Lulu, I'm going to think about it. Any other products while we while you're on the line? or? Uh, um, why don't we just call it a night, well, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we know where you're at already. If Lulu, you're an artist, so you, you can do like a mock-up for us, right? Yeah. Give me a couple of pages from the coloring book. Show me what they look like. There you go. I totally can. I can totally do a mock-up. Do it. All right, send it to Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. You are in the running, Lulu. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, guys. All right, bye. You want to do a a voicemail before we get to the next call? Yeah, yeah, why not? All right. I mean, that one went Thank so well. Thank fucking God. This is Singer up in the Jersey Jersey, man. (laughs) What's up? Hey, tell all the haters. you understand what he's talking about? Suck it when they're talking about Nicole Ernie. She's fucking priceless. (laughs) Her Fucking master team, man. Both of them, though, they got a pregame with a little old Rasputin. That's what I'm talking about. Little old Rasputin, couple of couple of hits of that to both of them to be on fire the entire session. <laughs> Fucking shit faced up here. I'll call you back later because I'm a little sober ish now. I was shit faced earlier, but I'm like not so shit faced now. So I'll I'll call you back later. With a better message, just 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 when you, when you decide to, if you decide to like pull a little shit out, fucking play them all in a row. This will be fucking priceless. I'm on a roll, kid. I ain't fucking and, um, I'll probably call you tomorrow night too, because I have two days off in a row this week. So we're just gonna roll with it. Uh, I plan on staying intoxicated the entire fucking time. Love you guys. 
All fucking right. love you guys. Got so, uh, yeah, whatever. And um, <laughs> shut the fuck up, Beardy. There, <laughs> there it is. There you go. That, that we, I, got, I think we got about five or six voicemails from this man. He sounds uh, like a lovely person. What, yeah. what was his name? Stinger in the Dirty Jersey. That's I thought he said the Dirty Jersey. He didn't dirty. say that. He said this. Thank fucking God. This is Stinger up in the Dirty Jersey. The Dirty Jersey. <laughs> he didn't get that right. All right. He's drunk. I like it. Yeah. Uh, all right, and then we've got... I wonder how many people in his hometown he's related to. <laughs> Good question. 35. <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's talk to Mark in Wisconsin. Mark, what's happening? What's up, guys? How are, how are you, man? I'm drunk. How are you? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's, like, it's like he's picking up on us in a bar. <laughs> I, uh... How are you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know how I, I am. How are you? I've had shotgun and a lot of beers tonight. Wait, you did? A lot of beer tonight. How many did you shotgun? I'm very drunk. I shotgun three 16 ounce, three one two pale ale. <laughs> do six wow. And this guy puts them on fucking YouTube. Each, each yes, one? He puts his shotgunning? Yes. How many followers does he have? I don't know. Probably a million. He probably makes no. all his money shotgunning beers on YouTube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This one's going to be hella sick. Check this one out. Is that I'm the a, title? I'm going to post a fresh one soon. Money. You don't. I have. make no money. I, 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 the money I make is none. <laughs> you should be on the Brain Network. <laughs> <It's none>. Wait, <laughs> have you counted it? <laughs> yeah, it's none. It's still none. Oh, wait. Hang on. Let me just open my wallet. Yeah. Oh, there's none money in here. Uh, are you the guy? Are you the guy who bought that free book on Amazon? That was you, right? Yeah. So it was Mark from Wisconsin. Uh. Well, I'm drinking the new Glarus uh, Belgian Red right now. It's great sour beer. And um, I have some uh, Sculpin, some Grapefruit Sculpin. I, just, I got a lot of beer and I'm drunk. All right. Well, you That's definitely beer, sound like it. it. Mark, you are in the running for Drunk of the Week, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, who else is calling? You got a lot of callers? No, we had Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> trying to gauge his competition. Just want to know if I know some people. He's going to figure out the ratio of uh, my chances of winning here. Yeah. Oh. Uh, we had a couple, and then we've got some voicemails calling in. So, oh, good. Uh, you know. Good. Uh, all, all right. right well, um, I, I went ahead. and I like the strip club on Facebook, and I'm hoping <laughs> to... Uh, to get out to Portland. Hey, I, I hope you do too. I, I wish you luck, good sir. All right, thanks, brother. Uh, you are now. By the way, your YouTube videos suck. It won't even load. Uh, Just remember, tip in hundreds. You'll have a great time. Uh, Justin says, tip in hundreds. Drop that first hundred. Your practical advice. But he has none money in his wallet. I have one more person on line one, uh, Captain Scotch. I think. He is oh, the one whose yeah. dad got dropped out of a truck or something. Is he going to cry? He's not, no, he actually has a very strong opinion about our previous caller's ability to shotgun a beer, and he'd like to share it. Okay. That's, uh, I don't see how I can say no to that. Captain Scotch, sorry about your old man. Oh, Justin, yeah, that was, that was awesome of you. That was, uh, yeah. Thanks for writing uh, about yeah, it. Yeah, you're such a humanitarian. <laughs> you're doing the Lord's work. Yeah, you're a great person. <laughs> All right. But seriously, who cares about that? Yeah. I, I have something to say to Bud Monkey or uh, Mark, wh- whatever he calls himself yeah. in real life. Yeah. Um, if you've seen his YouTube videos, it won't load. It takes them four minutes to open up the goddamn can. That's not a <laughs> Yeah. 
Maybe that's part of the appeal of the video. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but it's, a shotgun is when you crack it, crack it, and down it. It takes them three minutes. <laughs> to crack it. Must be being a beer. Oh, man. He, it's... But he's so proud of him, so I let him have his, this is, his yeah, moment. Each side. one's a victory. Did you really let uh, him have his moment, or are you are you ripping his moment well, out of the I, air right now? I let him have his moment, but I let him know that I let him have it. I think you're pooping on his moment. <laughs> no, this, did you? I don't his know. If moment's you, over. Did you yeah, just hear us? Steve has a new term for this. This is perfect. Musketing a beer. <laughs> it's going to take a really <laughs> long time for you to shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first you get the you powder. You got to pack the gun. Powder. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, brother. Um, are you putting yourself in the running for drunk of the week as well? I, I've probably had more than he has anyway. Even if he drank a couple uh, Goose Islands. Right. Oh, I'm watching your video now. I do uh, or his video. Uh, he is wearing yeah, a Brewing no. Network shirt, so that's good. Uh, hey, I'm wearing mine, and I won mine from you guys, so he probably bought his. <laughs> like that's a bad thing? Yeah, <laughs> that's actually a point in his favor. Yeah, and that jerk probably yeah, paid for shit. What an idiot. Uh, He's the real Nine asshole. <laughs> He's struggling. I bought a half, so I'm fine. He is, it is now yeah, like fine. two minutes have gone by. He's still putting the hole in the thing. He's now using his <laughs> his second stabbing device. Uh, now he's using his thumb to properly open the hole that he stabbed. Which I'm uh, sure is smart. He's, he's, he's in his defense. Slayers his beer can. In his defense, he's young, and he I lives mean, in Wisconsin. He doesn't have as much practice. Oh, here he goes. Now he's finally cracking the can. But he's just by himself in his mother's bedroom, I think. <laughs> like, he lives... I, I can tell he lives at home. Mark, I want to go to bed. Shut up, Mark! <laughs> I'm almost done! I got one more to go! Yeah. Do you want another video? Shut up! I get your medication. Like you can a, let wow. me do this. And then he just has... It looks a, like a junior college dorm room to me. It, and, <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> they have dorms? Who's the camera operator? I don't think they have dorms in junior college. Wow. I kind of liked the video. Actually, <laughs> uh, all right, brother. Hey, lot, thanks for calling in. A lot of feelings. All right, all right. Take care of yourself, man. <laughs> fucking feelings. All right, guys. Hey, don't drink your sorrows away for too long. All right. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> I mean, you got to get over it at one point and get sober up. But you know, you're fine for now. But you know, just just looking out for I'm, you. Don't give life. I advice figure I get a month or two, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know any two? strip clubs? Oh, in the I was thinking like three or four. But uh, yeah, you're good. Oh, three or four? All right, then that gives me an extra month or two. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> All right, brother. Hey, take care of yourself. It looks like Shoe Light. All right, you too. Late, Doesn't he? He looks like Shoe Light. Uh, the guy, the kid? Yeah. yeah. The little kid. Yeah, a little bit. He got a, he's got the big nose. All right. Anyway, uh, Marco Polo 7. You can go find him on YouTube and watch all his shotgunning videos. Oh, I recommend. I want to know what the views are on it right now. JP. He has one subscriber right now. That one has nine. Nine views. All right. Well, he just posted it. Marco Polo Seven. I want to know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look at it at the end of the week. And so you watched it twice. So that means six other people saw it. <laughs> Stacy right. just showed me a picture of so you're already in a coloring book. It's this little caricature that's been hand. One time I posted on Facebook. A picture of my character with no colors, just the lines. Oh, right? yeah. So people would color him and send him to me. <laughs> he was already on wow. that on that idea. Yeah. By people, he means his kids. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who they were. Just, yeah, local people. Your kids? No, uh, they wouldn't do that. We have uh, a couple more voicemails. Do you want to vote on what we got, or you want to hear one or two more? 
How good are they? Are they better than Dirty Jersey? Uh, right. One was not as good, but I have another one from an even drunker uh, stinger. Let's from try that. Oh, all right. Uh, one up in himself. It's short. Here we go. Oh, you guys are off tonight. When I'm going to bitch and complain and write on a forum about how you guys just take random days off. When is this Vinny? Let's not count the fact that you work for six Mondays in a row Damn to provide content and info and entertainment. Bunch of bitches. They all complain. Holy flying Christ. Did I leave this? Anyway, <laughs> hey, you guys enjoy your uh, enjoy your time off. Whatever the fuck you're doing. I don't know. Jerking your dick or <laughs> going to the fucking bacon <laughs> festival. Because I couldn't make it. You better have fucking been there. What? What? Bunch of bitches. <laughs> Does he know that there are six other days in the week? Working six Mondays in a row. Hey, Beardy, shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up, Beardy. All right. That's fair. I'm tired of you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know. I kind of think it's between Lulu and then Dirty Jersey there, Stinger. Oh, yeah. Dirty Jersey. Dirty Jersey. Dirty Jersey. <laughs> I mean, Lulu's Dirty clearly Dirty. had had a few... Uh, She's a lunatic. Yeah. Just sober, <laughs> but... Um, but Stinger left five messages, because now Drunk of the Week has sort of taken on a new meaning if he goes for the whole yeah. week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and actually, he, he had left... Um, because you get like a, an email alert, you know, when people leave messages, and a few yeah. emails came in, but there was no transcription, and it was you could hear him like fiddling around and then hanging up, and then he finally <laughs> called, and then I think on like the fourth time, yeah, he left this message. This shit don't fucking work. <laughs> Can you hear me? Hello. <laughs> What's this, when does a voice recording talk back to you? Yes, we can hear you. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, on and on like that. Continue with your message. <laughs> Shit don't fucking work. All right. All right. <laughs> so we'll go. Are we good with those two nominees as our finalists, Lulu and um, and Jersey Jersey? Yes. Yeah. All right. Sure. Uh, re- th- no more. No more, Bevo. We're fine. Uh, <laughs> she's still taking calls back there. Uh, all right. Raise your hand if it's Lulu Gumshoe. All right. Uh, raise your hand. That's one vote, the Lulu. <laughs> uh, however, Bevo is on the phone, so you're missing maybe a second vote. And then everybody else, raise your hand if it's Dirty Jersey. It's got to be Stinger. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, Stinger's yeah. the winner. Hey, congratulations. Uh, thanks for christening our new Drunk of the Week uh, voicemail system, 855-WIN-DOTW, 855-WIN-DRUNK-OF-THE-WEEK. And uh, you, too, can win yourself Drunk of the Week. And then this yep, way we yep, can yep. weed out some of the, um, you know, the not fun calls. Right? Correct. We can just play the good ones. <laughs> the drunkest ones. Which, uh, <laughs> makes, can't even make the calls. This really makes my life much better. Makes me happier. Uh, thanks for calling in. Seriously, that was fun. Uh, all right. Twitter game, JP. How did we do? What was our game? We did pretty good. Uh, so it was basically just, uh, you know, where would you use dogs in the boil? Because that, to me, seems like the next logical step in taking craft beer from super hipster to really douchey hipster. I do think that at some point during my speech, I mentioned using dog shit in a beer. No. Oh, so I, I think it, you're right. We're on the cusp of something. It's bound to happen. I'm glad you feel the the, yeah. the, the, the negative ion vibration as well. Yes, because yeah. It's know, happening. It's, well, it's not too so. far off. I there was a news story from a few months ago of a beer made with uh, smoked goat poop. You remember that one? Oh, yeah. So, what's, I mean, dog poop, what's the difference? It's going to happen. All right, so happen. what did people say? Um, well, Brian Koch wrote, uh, I'd put biscuits ashes in a Randall and call the beer <laughs> Justin's Tears. 
<laughs> so right away, ouch! They're coming yeah. out hard. Ouch. Yeah, I like it. Um, AJZ five one three says, uh, "Wild yeast from my mutt gives a lovely wet dog essence to my sours. Mm. Harvest from shedded fur." Okay, little natural way to go. Scott Thompson says, "Put a tennis ball on the tap handle and let the pup pour pints behind the counter." Oh, now that's a good idea. A little practical, yeah. but uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Brian Baumgart says, a good old Griffin helps me clean up myself after dunking my ball sack in the mash tub. Okay. Hashtag good boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. And uh, Kevin says, uh, I would use my dog's intestines as a hot back. Wow. That's huh. hardcore. Yeah. Just right there, you know. Like, are they still in the dog? Or? Who knows? All right. <laughs> Uh, and then actually that one got a, a response from someone else, like this older guy with a dog as his avatar. And he's like, just be careful. Just keep pops away from dogs that could really be dangerous for them. <laughs> like, just not getting it at all. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. There's like do- dog trolls that are monitoring yeah. dog right. communication. Yeah, that's Jesus. the PETA president. Uh, it was pretty, it was yeah. pretty neat. Great. Now we're going to get sued. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Mark Wilson says, uh, uh, grind up the dog as a substitute when the local homebrew shop is out of biscuit malt. Hashtag RIP the biscuit. Uh, mm-hmm. Nice one. John Boris says, I wish I could pour my wife's useless pug down the drain as easily as my <laughs> shit back <laughs> Hashtag blender. Pugs are stupid. Yeah, they're real stupid. stupid. But they're just cute. Uh, HH says, as a real hipster, I would definitely use the dog before it was cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good call. Uh, Von Bruski writes, use it on an IPA label so Lagunitas can have someone to try and sue again. Oh, yeah. Chris B says, for oxygenation, my dog would hump the shit out of that carboy. Mm-hmm. And then Scott Foster says, FWD, first ward dogging. <laughs> okay. And there you go. Um, HH. It's the best one. I like the tennis ball. I like the tennis ball. I like the first one. Although I, I like barely the first re- one. remember it. And I like the... Justin's like, Tears. Yeah, I liked the, pugs yeah, going yeah. down the drain. A lot of them were good. The, yeah. the using it, I would have used dogs before it was cool. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, the other really really good. Uh, all right, I could go for that one. Okay, let's do I got it. the biggest laugh. All yeah. right, before it was cool. There you go. Send an email to Bevo at thebrewingnetwork.com. She will send you a prize. Bevo at thebrewingnetwork.com. All right, we about done here? Yes. yes. Okay, excellent. I believe we're off next week, but we're headed to Oregon, so come see us oh. in uh, Newport, but there will be um, no show. I do want to thank uh, very much our, our guest today, Riverwalk Brewing Company, for coming all the way out here to the West Coast to hang out with us. That was very nice of you. And you shared a lot of good beer, so thanks, guys. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, just so you know, Justin, I'll be taking home all the leftovers. Yes, yeah, so weird. <laughs> uh, all right. People, go to River Riverwalkbrewing.com. You can check it out. There's a, it's a great website, and uh, you can learn about the beer. You can learn more about uh, the guys and, and how they came about. There's even handsome photos of them somewhere, I think, on the on the site there. Um, so go check it out. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it again for coming out. I want to taste that IPA before we get out of here, one of your IPAs that you brought. Um, all right. JP, can I take us out? Yep. Let's do it. Let's see you later. Bye. Thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to morebeer.com. We had the boys from Riverwalk Brewing came all the way out from Massachusetts with beer to represent the Beast Coast. Cheers to the fellas. Got a homebrew label that you want everyone to know about? Enter it into the National Homebrew Label Awards at homebrewlabelawards.com and win some cool things. Follow JP on Twitter at Major Jip, and if you're any kind of Disneyland fan or Disney World fan, support his new endeavors, Coveyers. Go to getcoveyers.com for the best way to find your Disney Park style and customize that classic Mickey Mouse ear hat, you douche. Warren! 
For some good beer inside and homebrew info, follow Nate Smith at Nathan Homebrew and Mike McDowell at Tasty McDee. Production, production director on the session has been Push Eject. Today's show has been produced by Scott Moskowitz. JP was trying to exist but failing miserably. Bevo was ignoring JP in the chat all night long. And your host was Justin Crossley. Be sure to find the Brunei Warfare. Just in Moscow and winning.